You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since So you got no sound over there on one end? I hear a little Skype uh, Twitter there. So Yeah, I didn't hear anything, man. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> That's crazy. And exciting. Uh, <laughs> in no way, shape, or form. Uh, yeah. Well, it recorded, so we'll, uh, we'll go with it for now. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, we are the GGTMC. We are inept and... Uh, <laughs> We are on the air. We uh, have had an eventful morning already. Been rolling since 5. It's 5.31. And we hit record. So, yeah, the laptop's playing games, and obviously the games haven't stopped. So, uh, yeah, this might be a fun fun one. This might be one of those ones that uh, puts a few more gray hairs on the noggin there, buddy. Uh, Okay. Let's get Chipper here. You guys didn't hear it. Trust me, it recorded, I think. Uh, (laughs) And we'll just go with that. we are the GGTMC here. We have uh, Large William over on the uh, on the cold side of the United States. Uh, no, the United States. <laughs> on the cold side of the pillow, dear boy. <laughs> yeah. We roll it over and just love on it. And yeah. then uh, we got the, the one and only Todd up up a little bit uh, northeast of me. Yes, sir. Uh, there we go. And then we got me, who's uh, recovering from a major sickness and a children's birthday party yesterday, which would, uh, will... Uh, Man, that'll put a hurting on you. Whew. Oh yeah, yeah. Kids and parties, hey. Especially for a one-year-old. One-year-old, she uh, had her birthday party yesterday. Her birthday's not actually until Thursday of this week, but she, uh, you know, she's not really interested in opening presents so much. But you try to show her, but then you got a bunch of three, four, five, and six-year-olds that, of course, all think presents are for everybody. Yeah. And things get out of control rather quickly. <laughs> And at yeah. some point, you just throw your hands up and say, "Turn down for what?" Exactly. You're reading my mind. I should I should have had that queued up, but you guys wouldn't have heard it, so it wouldn't have been nearly as funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that was yesterday. But anyway, we are here, the three man show. 
we've been uh, we've been talking about doing this for a while. Here it is. And this week we are doing the Living Skeleton, uh, 1968, directed by Hiroki Masuda. Yes, Masuda san. And the Fury from 1978, directed by one Brian De Palma. But you can say Brian De Palma. Yeah. Well, that's not a little more chic. <laughs> yeah, that was a little. I did. Number one, which is kind of fitting. Yeah, yeah. No. my my impersonation wasn't number one. All I know about all I know about the chic is in uh, in Brian De Palma's world, he wouldn't get on no amusement park ride there, by uh, <laughs> Sure wouldn't. That's a bad move. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, all right, so uh, Todd's not really a guest, so I'll let you guys decide who wants to who wants to go first on what we've been watching lately. It doesn't matter to me. Otter, hot toddy, let it rip. Uh, alrighty. Uh, I caught up with a movie called Little Odessa from 1994 yes. um, with Mr. Tim Roth, Maximilian Schell, um, and Eddie Furlong. And it's uh, it's kind of in the vein of State of Grace, uh, I thought, but it's very well made. Uh, it's really not a happy movie at all. Um, but it's uh, Tim Roth is a, is a Russian, uh, well... He's a Russian American, uh, basically thug, gangster, assassin kind of guy, uh, and he's dealing with his family and his mother, who's uh, who's sick, and all this other thing. It's you know really great, um, really great how it deals with the uh, the relationships between the family, and how Furlong, who's his uh, younger brother, looks up to him, and all this sort of thing. And I was impressed with it. Uh, I, I forget how I came upon this or whether or not, whether or not somebody um, recommended it off the top of my head, but I'm really glad that I finally caught up with it because, you know, a lot of times the nineties get, uh, get a lot of shit for being not that great as far as, uh, as movies, especially in the wake of uh, Tarantino. But, uh, this was, uh, th- yeah, this was really, really good. I would recommend it. Uh, and like I said, I mean, my, my basic uh, theory was, well, not theory. My basic feeling that I got with it was, you know, a heavy um, state of grace vibe. But it's not, uh, you know, stealing from it or anything like that. It's its own film, and it's you know, it's very good. Uh, <clears throat> jump from that to uh, Bye Bye Monkey, Marco Ferrari, uh, and this was interesting to say the least. Although I'm not a hundred percent sure what the hell it's about. Um, have either of you guys seen this one? <laughs> nope. Okay. No. Yeah, basically, basically, um, Gerard Depardieu is uh, kind of a jerk. And oh, I've fl- heard about this though. Well, yeah, he, he's uh, it's the one with the giant uh, prop of King Kong dead on the beach. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I've heard about this. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Uh, you know, it has decent performances from uh, Mastroianni, uh, J- uh, Depardieu, and James Coco, who you know really gets doesn't get enough credit for when he did his uh, his serious stuff. I love James Coco. I'll admit it. Um, but this is this is really it's difficult. It, it's interesting to see how it unfolds, but at the same time, you're not 100 percent sure where the hell it's going, and you're not 100 percent sure what it's saying because it, it deals very much there's some uh, kind of shady um gender politics going on and um there's the whole thing with the you know Depardieu and the monkey and there, there's a couple of uh, scenes that are really just absolutely grim and bleak uh and by the time you get done you're like holy hell uh but at the same time i mean 
I was interested enough to, you know, it, it never lost my interest. It never uh, stopped, um, you know, uh, unspooling for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm still not 100% sure what the hell I watched. Um, as far as, you know, if it has anything to say at all, I don't know. Uh, I got to check there? that one down. That's two leading. You have my attention when you say Mastroianni and Depardieu together. I mean, oh, yeah. Ferrari's directing them. Even if it's a master, there's got to be some interesting things in there. Well, this was my first Ferrari. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest, the whole reason that I wanted to watch it was for the King Kong prop. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that I watched it. I just, uh, it, it's a, yeah, I think it's a challenging film, or it could be a challenging film for some folks. Sure. Uh, of course, there's you know people who would find it very very easy, but I'm not one of them. Uh, move from that to uh, Trumbo, uh, the 2015 one with uh, Brian Cranston, not the documentary. And uh, this was okay. Um, it has a little bit of wit to it. It has some uh, some strong performances, but uh, all in all, you know, I didn't really get all that much out of it. Um, and I didn't think the, the script was all that great overall. Uh, even though, I mean, like I said, it, it does have a little bit of humor that, uh, that worked pretty well. Um, it's interesting to, to see, you know, how this guy was, was treated, but at the same time, part of me felt that the, the opening, what, 20 minutes or so was more a, um, kind of talking to the audience rather than letting the the story play out it almost felt a bit like you know it was uh, kind of preaching uh rather than telling the story and i that kind of took me out of it a bit but once it gets into the once it gets past that it, uh, it gets a little more interesting not a great film uh, but interesting and you know worth seeing um went from that to uh 1961 uh divorce italian style Yes. Uh, from Jeremy, uh, you know, the, the man who gave us Seduced and Abandoned, uh, which I loved. And yeah. I like this one a lot, too. Um, not as much. I mean, this is pretty much kind of like what Unfaithfully Yours, um, but, you know, Italian. And uh, Mastroianni's great in it. Uh, and, of course, you have uh, Sandrelli, who is absolutely one of the most beautiful women ever uh, on film. And, um, you know, it's got uh, it's pretty dark humor going on here (laughs) and uh, it's uh, it's just fun to see how how all these guys uh you know treat everybody and treat the uh treat master ayani once uh once what happens happens i don't want to give anything away even though it's really kind of as straightforward as straightforward can get um but i'm glad that uh, i'm glad i caught up with that one i gotta get some more uh jeremy going in my life because he's uh yeah he's one of those guys you don't really hear too much about from folks but he's uh, a lot of fun man oh he is he is yeah Daniela Roca is really funny as uh as mastroianni's wife in it she oh really, my god i mean she goes for it yeah yeah she does and she has that little mustache and everything yeah love it yep. um Went from that to uh, Barry Levinson's Rock the Casbah 2015. And uh, people were surprised I, I liked this as much as I did. But, I mean, my thing is that uh, I give Bill Murray a lot of leeway because I love watching Bill Murray go. <laughs> and by and large, all this really is is the Bill Murray show. So if you're into that, you know, you'll get something out of this. Uh, it's not, yeah, it's, it's, there's nothing groundbreaking going on. There's nothing, 
or all that original or having all that much to say about pretty much anything at all. Uh, but if you like watching Bill Murray do his little sardonic uh, humor kind of thing, then this is right up your alley. And I, I love watching him go personally. Uh, so right up my alley. Uh, and, you know, that's as uh, damning with faint praise as I can get on that one. Um, went from that to I finally caught up with the Peanuts movie from 2015. And I was really impressed with this. Uh, like Will said, you know, it, uh, it's very much in the spirit of uh, Charles Schultz's uh, original work while still being its own thing. I thought it was, it, it, I mean, it definitely has the flavor of more modern animated films in that there's a lot of gags going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like with the, uh, the, the, oh, what was it? The the Red Baron plane flying in the background all the time <laughs> and that kind of thing. But I like that. Uh, it works for me. And yeah, I mean, they, they do still keep the characters, you know, very much true to what they've always been. Uh, and it's got, you know, a nice big heart right in the in the middle of it. I don't know, was this done all computer or was this stop motion with the computer? I'd be lying if I said I knew. I, I felt like even though it felt contemporary aesthetically, it still felt like it had one foot in, you know, uh, in the world of traditional animation and well, one foot in uh, contemporary well, I, I only ask because I mean, there's that certain jitteriness that you get from uh, from stop motion um, mm, yeah. that I just I love, love, love. Um, so yeah, I mean, I that really appealed to me as well. Um, so yeah, high high recommend on the Peanuts movie. And then finally, I uh, I finally dug into uh, Martin Scorsese's Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, uh, one that I had not avoided but just had no real fire under my ass to see Mm. um but i finally caught up with it and was absolutely blown away love this movie uh you know it has that opening that's straight out of the wizard of oz Mm -hmm. uh but then it turns out you know once we get past that that oz is really not all that great and reality kind of sets in ellen burston does a, a fantastic job although um there are several points where you know it really really does feel like she's acting in quotes um not that it's bad not that it you know takes away but uh that's just something that uh, that occurred to me her relationship with her kid is uh, is great uh it feels real uh and of course chris chris christopherson uh, is in there and he doesn't take his shirt off enough so yes <laughs> as we all know yeah. um <laughs> but but yeah no I, I was really really impressed with this i love it i would recommend it to anybody you know even though, even just in general, uh, people who are fans of, uh, you know, not necessarily when they think of Scorsese, they think of crime films, Mean Streets, all that sort of thing. Uh, and this is, you know, they would think that this is outside of his his normal wheelhouse. But uh, I would disagree with that, and I would say that, yeah, no, you, if you like Scorsese at all, you really, really need to see this because he's in top form on this one as much as he ever was on anything else. So. Yeah, and that's all I got, guys. It's it's another one of those films of his. It's proof that he can do a lot more than just crime movies. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's he, incredibly versatile. Yeah, yeah. For an American filmmaker, he he really. <clears throat> I mean, unfortunately, he got pigeonholed anyway because I think American filmmakers do. But sure. He uh, yeah. It's just it's it's, it's whatever. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I think from about seventy five to eighty five though, there was a real nice run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Will. What you got, bud? Uh, besides Jack and shit, I got maybe three films. Nice. Uh, maybe did I talk about 
the last time we recorded, did I talk about uh, watching Axe? I don't think so. No, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I think maybe I stopped there. The body spray Um, movie? Yes, the body spray life that I live. (laughs) Um, This was 1974. I think it's also called uh, something, the Something Massacre. It's it's a short film. I think something weird put it out. The body, the body spray massacre. The body spray (laughs) massacre. Ooh, how come that has the green goggles? Yeah, how come that has been? If you want to survive the night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's the other name for this? Because it's, it's such a generic title, I think it is. Nice. Well, I know I know that uh, it's appeared on a few of those uh, Mill Creek box sets as well, which is where I saw it. Uh, it was a video nasty, mm. directed by uh, Friedrich Friedel or Friedel Friedel. Um, it's got you know home invasion, short and short, shot, shot in, <laughs> yeah. shot in uh, <laughs> North Kakalaki. <laughs> Um, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's kind of, uh, it's got a, a kind of a chintzy grim kind of feel to it. Um, rape revenge and yeah, you could do a lot worse. Um, watched an episode of Twilight Zone, trying to keep it festive any way I can. Did the monsters are due on Maple Street. Great one. Man, I got chills. I watched this with my mom and I got chills watching it. It's just, it's so timely, so timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, really great stuff. You pack a they pack a lot into those twenty two minutes, whatever it is. Yeah, they do. Oh man, um, it's always fun to see faces show up, right? Mm-hmm. That was the one with Claude Atkins, or no? Yeah, it was. Okay, yeah. Sheriff Lobo. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, man. <laughs> Gonna get that bear. Yeah, he's he's got a great look. He looks. He reminds me of Bronson a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A yeah, yeah. little more round, but yeah. A little more round. A few yeah. more donuts in his yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. A little more brill cream in the hair. A little more brill cream in the hair. Yeah. A little I, more uh, Boston gonna, cream in the stomach. Yeah. I'm going to step in a little bit and say there's a lot more brill cream in that hair. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, Charlie, I don't think, was one for uh, that hair product as no, much. No, not much. <laughs> no. Um, Jack uh, Weston shows up, too. Um but yeah, it's great stuff. Um, then we watched as a family Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom. Oh, nice! So if if you've ever wanted to see H.P. Lovecraft adapted for a children's film, I guess this would be your film. I, I didn't really care for this. Yeah, it felt um, it felt like a bit of a passion project that the the creator loved Lovecraft. And maybe had a kid in the past few years and wanted to try to have the worlds collide. So it's a valiant attempt to a degree, but the animation is very cheap to me. And I I just, I didn't really care. It's got some great voice work. I mean, Christopher Plummer, Ron Perlman. um, I don't know. It just uh, didn't work for me. Very cheap and the kids like them more than I do, which I guess is the main point. Cheap and dirty. Cheap and dirty the way I like it. Um, Except that one. Yeah, you don't like that one. Except that one, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then I was doing some chores. No, I was prepping dinner. I was prepping our third Thanksgiving dinner in a row because it was Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend past. So, just chopping up sweet. Man, let me tell you something. Sweet potatoes are a motherfucker to prep. (laughs) 
They're uneven to peel. They're very hard, much like squash. Some squash. I mean, come on, it's so hard. Turnips another turnips are real motherfucker. Let me tell you. But anyway, uh, as I was doing all this, I decided to throw in Sleepaway Camp Two <clears throat> and Happy Campers. Well, nice. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I hadn't seen this probably. No, no, certainly since uh, VHS and uh, 1988. So I was right in that golden era. And I, I, I got to say, I was pl- very pleasantly surprised with how how much this is better than I remembered it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think it, if people uh, go back and revisit that one, they'll be surprised that, that that series is actually better than it has any intentions or purposes of being, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen the third one, Teenage Wasteland, but the first one has, for my money, one of the top three or four, top five shock endings in a horror film yeah that last shot you will never forget when you've seen it i've never forgotten it <laughs> i've never forgotten it um and this this one it's weird it almost feels like uh, a slightly less skilled wes craven and kind of how sort of meta and aware and humorous it is who was it craven who did who and kevin uh, what was his name kevin williamson, williamson? Yeah. So it kind of feels a little bit like that, a little bit cheaper though, but it's fun. The kills are pretty nasty. Well, the second uh, one doesn't continue with the same storyline, does it? It does. Oh, it does? Okay. It does, yeah. I've never uh, seen it. I've only ever seen the first one, so. It's fun. It's 80 minutes. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Okay. It's got some brutal kills. So yeah, you guys, it was a good time. Well, so Kevin, Kevin, and you, you know, you came along with Williamson. I'm glad because I almost said Nash. That was, oh, yeah. yeah, that was that, that Wes Craven, Kevin Nash come, uh, collaboration, which would have been amazing if it ever happened. <laughs> that would have been that awesome. Would have been amazing. Uh, next up, decided to heap Mad Monster Party on the kids. It had been a couple years since they, they had seen it. And now it's tough because I blew my wad too early showing them stuff that they liked at the time enough, but they don't remember because they were like two or three years old. Yeah. So... You know, uh, I like Mod Monster Party, but I think I like it more because I love horror. Uh, I don't think it's obviously quite in the league of some of Rankin Bass's other stuff, but it is quite fun. Uh, Gail Garnett is ravishing, as ravishing as a stop motion character can be. She's got a great voice. Um, she plays Francesca, who I have to think now in seeing it this time really has to be like sort of the grandmother of uh, Jessica Rabbit, right? <laughs> yeah. She really does. Um, it was cool to show the kids Karloff and Phyllis Diller in real life and then as they were watching them on screen. And I have to think Hotel Transylvania is really indebted to this film too. So, yeah, it's fun. Um, I think it could probably be about 10 or 15 minutes shorter, but, you know, it's, it's good for sure. Uh, next up, I wanted to watch some of the Y. I didn't want to get – you know, I just didn't want to throw something out of that um, – she wasn't going to. She was going to completely tune out. So uh, I figured she'd like Eel or Them, uh, the French film from two thousand six, mm. home invasion film. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I saw it when it first came out. First came out. First came out, and I enjoyed it enough. I know the twist. So watching it a second time, I guess it was more to see how I felt about how it played up to the twist and uh, if it still worked relatively well. And I think it does. They, this again, doesn't overstay its welcome. It's 77 minutes long. Um, there's some great tense moments in it. I think it's one of the better relatively bloodless films of the French new wave of horror from uh, the early two thousands. And that's really all I've watched because 
It's uh, for anyone who watches uh, baseball. This is uh, October, and the Bluebirds are uh, in the thick of it right now, which is really cut into my Halloween movie watching. So, yep, can't have them all. No. Can't have them all. Can't watch them all. It's like Pokemon. Can't watch. That's right. <laughs> you got to catch them all, but it doesn't mean you will. You sure won't. <laughs> you got Pokemon porn. Ooh. Ooh. Everybody stop right now. No Google searches. Everybody's listening to this show right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll throw everyone back on a different track. Talking about great, cheap bootleg T-shirts. There's one that you used to see in like all the convenience stores and the flea markets. It said Smokemon. And it had a, a Pikachu with like the dread nice. hat and a spliff in his mouth. Nice. Smokemon. Oh, that's all I'm going to say from now on. That's what I know me. That'll stick with me forever. Smokemon. Oh, <laughs> It does, and me and my brother will just look at each other. Some we did it at Thanksgiving weekend. That's why I said it because I looked at him. I went, "Smoky Man." Yeah, Smoky Man. It's around the time of all those great shitty um, Bart Simpson bootleg shirts you'd see. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck! Everyone was getting in on that gold rush, man. Yeah, everyone. There was a time, man. You couldn't go anywhere without a bootleg Simpson shirt. <sighs> popping up. Yeah, this <laughs> is so true. They're so horrible. Yeah, no, no. I'm horrible. And I'm and I'm on a, a great Instagram. I follow this Instagram uh what do you call it? Profile feed, whatever. It's called Ugly Bootlegs. And it's like <laughs> they'll have like these Chinese superhero box sets. It'll be like Spider Man, Hulk, Batman, and uh Buzz Lightyear <laughs> together in a box set. Uh yeah, like the Robert Cop stuff. Yeah, like Robert Cop. Yeah. yeah. It's E three PO. Yeah, it reminds me of like uh, Loaf because Loaf sent to bootleg toys. So, yeah, some yeah. great shitty ones, man. Yeah. Anyway, bootleg. that's bootleg. all I've got. Yeah, bootleg stuff's fun. Uh, <laughs> it is. All right, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm going back quite a ways here for me. I'm almost going back a whole month uh, before stuff that I've watched that I didn't mention on the show back when we did the uh, the Gong Show Cemetery Man show, which we 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 barreled through pretty fast due to some uh, other laptop issues. Um, Ooh, lap dance, better laptop issues than lap dance issues. Yeah, you don't want lap dance issues. Yeah, especially you don't want a bootleg lap dance. That'd be a, oh, you definitely ooh. don't want a bootleg, or, or you don't want that. <laughs> that Gotta watch uh, that denim friction. Yeah, or that uh, <laughs> sleepaway camp uh, <laughs> ending well, yeah. lap dance. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you do. Well, maybe uh, you do. Yeah, maybe you do. You know, you don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, is that a labia or is that a testicle? What is that? <laughs> could be uh, either. Could is be that a roll of quarters? Or? <laughs> yeah. is, that a, is that a cocktail, Frank? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Better that than a footlong kibasa. Yeah. yeah. That comes back to the age old question. They're tough to tuck, though. <laughs> that is. I don't yeah, know. I think, I think if I got a lap dance like that, I think I'd be more offended by the cocktail wiener than I would by the, uh, the footlong <laughs> kibasa. At least with the footlong kibasa, I'd be like, God damn, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're loud you, and might give him a high five, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't see one of those in real life very often. I mean, it's not, you know. I've been in a few uh group showers in my day, you know, a few gym showers in my day. I've seen I've seen a few interesting that things. Sammy fetish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, secret fetish is kicking in. That's why my that's why my yeah, laptop didn't work. Son. My laptop my laptop got a little wet this week. <laughs> <laughs> a little moisture in there. That's what happens when you have a little too much smoky man. <laughs> smoky man. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's like where am I? It's like you know I gotta turn down for what right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My private moments like the opening to carry or something. All right. <laughs> 
like, Yalla, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, what's that in the corner over there? It's that oh, one dude. Is that Ken Waller? <laughs> Is that Ken Waller? Oh, no, that's this dude tripod. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get back on point here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll go back a few, a little few weeks I'm here. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sweaty laughs. Uh, I checked out Bloodfather, the uh, Mel Gibson bearded film. Uh, I checked this out, like I said, quite a ways back, but I never mentioned it on the show and stuff. It's pretty good. You know, I was hoping for more from the director from uh, Marine. Uh, uh, but it is, it's, it's a pretty basic, simple B movie. Uh, oddly not quite as, as kind of violent as I hoped or as kind of over the top as I kind of hoped in a weird way, but, uh, Gibson's really good at it. He continues to be a, uh, an anomaly for, and a, and a weird, uh, weird thing for me because he, you know, he's obviously he's, <laughs> he's such a, you know, whatever outside of being in film work, but I always get excited when I see him on screen and he still holds the screen. He still has that magnetism. I can't quite explain. Uh, the beard is insane in this. Probably grew it in like one day. Uh, but he's, uh, yeah, he's he, he's good in the movie. He really is. William H. Macy's good in the movie. It's, it's a pretty good movie, man. It's it's not bad. It feels like there's more to it, though. It feels like it's chopped up a little bit. Would you would you put it in line with uh, something like Get the Gringo, or would you say it's a little bit better? Or? I think I like Gring, I think I like Gringo a little more. Okay. I liked. Uh, I I like he, Gibson. I like in this movie just as much, but I think Gringo is a better movie. I think that it's more entertaining and, um, I, you know, just a better film altogether. But not by much. I wouldn't say by much. I'd say this is still pretty good. This late cycle uh, Gibson stuff that he's doing, because I really don't know if he's going to get any really big movies anymore, considering how much he shit all over Hollywood. So yeah, I kind of doubt it. Yeah, yeah. That shower room is uh, limited. There's not a lot of people in the shower with Mel, let me tell you. I'm not going in there. Um, I watched uh, Bad Brains, Abandoned DC. Uh, this is pretty good. Uh, you know, if you're, nice. a fan of the, if you're a fan of the brains, uh, there's some Smokey Mon going on back in those days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, to, you know, there's not a whole lot to say. I think, you know, uh, certainly if you... Uh, the only thing I don't, I don't think I don't like about it, it's, it's more like just one of those retrospective documentaries. It doesn't really always get into the uh, the kind of nitty gritty that I would like them to get into. So, yeah, certainly one of the more eccentric front men you'll ever uh, see interviews with. If you guys know who Bad Brains are, and if you've ever seen an interview yeah, with their lead HR singer, was HR. interesting. Yeah, HR is uh, he still is. He's uh, way out there. He's yeah, oh, yeah, way too much, uh, way too much smoky there, buddy. In the past. <laughs> He's from another planet. I think he's one of those kind of guys. So. Yeah, I love them right up until I think I think uh, for me, Quickness was probably the last uh, great album of theirs. But yeah, yeah, they definitely uh, they're definitely an interesting band because they they mix a lot of they, they were one of the f- early bands to mix genres, right? So yeah, yeah, um, you kind of go back and look at that, and, and if you grew up during that era, you well, they, they, they were the band yeah. to uh, to beat back then. Yep, I mean in that area, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, checked out the Netflix documentary Amanda Knox, the uh, infamous uh, young American lady who went to Italy, got involved mm-hmm. in some relationships. Somebody got murdered. She got blamed. Uh, this is it's pretty good. Uh, it's it, it's it's interesting. The lead detective he <laughs> he talks about loving uh, Italian uh, uh, genre movies or you know gialli as he says. No and, way. and uh, mysteries and things like that. And he almost feels like something straight out of like a gialli. He's like uh, you know. <laughs> 
His whole his whole impetus for thinking she was guilty was because she was kissing her boyfriend on the day they went to the house to check out the murder. He thought oh. that she should be really broken up. She only knew the girl for like two weeks, and uh, she's in the corner, still broken up, kissing her boyfriend. But he's like, "That's just you, know, you just don't do that. That's not a normal reaction." I'm like, "Well, I don't, I don't know how you react in that situation, bud." Yeah. The only yeah. other the only other thing, spoiler alert, a little bit. Uh, you do get a close up. Somebody took a dump in a toilet and didn't flush it, so that was Ooh. not. That a little was, upper decker. Well, yeah. no, that wouldn't be an upper no, decker. No, that was it, was it was a lower decker, but it was something uh. I wasn't ready for. You know, because I was <laughs> I was in the middle of like a brown sugar cinnamon pop tart, and all yeah, of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden I saw a brown sugar cinnamon hot dog and laying right down there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, European toilets are different than American toilets. You know, we got a lot of water. You know, we got a lot of water. Uh, I think our holes yep. are bigger. Uh, <laughs> that goes. With, I think that goes without saying on this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're Keep a little bit. Prolapse. I think, yeah, I think you know, due, due to our diets, I think our uh, our exit hole has to be a little bit bigger, <laughs> not only on our body but down inside the uh, the toilet itself. <laughs> I got a couple guys here on the on the line here who've dealt with toilet work, so I, I know that I'm I know I'm not speaking to the choir. I'm not speaking to you know out of turn here. Yes, you guys know a thing or two about an open hole. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> so does Kirk Douglas. All right. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. I watched uh, a couple more docs. Uh, Audrey and Daisy. This is also a Netflix one. This one's brutal. Uh, this one's about uh, sexual assault and uh, in the era of Facebook and uh, pictures and all media being shared. And uh, it goes into some dark places. Uh, nobody wins in this stuff. Uh, I, I was angry, too, at the boys. But uh, those boys aren't going to win anything. There is some stuff in there that will piss you off, some political stuff that will piss you off in one of the small towns. But uh, there's, no, there's no winners in these stories, man. They're just fucking terrible. So mm-hmm. uh, watch with caution. Um, and then try to watch something like I did afterwards that's just like totally fluffy, like Man vs. Snake, which is just about a guy who wants to set the high score on Nibbler again that he set back in the day, which Nibbler was like a really rinky-dink, silly video game back in the early 80s where you... Basically, were a sna- it was basically snake where you had to go around a maze like Pac-Man, but you couldn't you couldn't touch your own tail, right? So it, it was just like this kind of maze game, and nobody really played it. But it's a game where you, to get a billion points on it, you have to marathon it, so you have to do it for like forty hours. Oh man! And so these guys are doing it for forty hours and stuff, and uh, it's brutal, man. It's brutal. It does have an, uh, the worst close-up I saw this week outside of uh, the dimple on Kirk Douglas's chin at one point. The uh, <laughs> It uh, has a moment where somebody takes a uh, a thumbtack and pops a blister on their thumb. Yowch. Had a moment of, uh, ooh, that does not feel good. And <laughs> one of those nice, juicy blood blisters. Sounded like Mitch Hedberg when you said that. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. it does not sound good. Ooh. Yeah, so outside of that and showering with uh, anybody I can, I've, that was my week. <laughs> that was my last couple of weeks, you know. So. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll wrap that up. We had a good case of the giggles this morning. You can see on my Audacity uh, recording that uh, I can see exactly where the laughter started and ended because the uh, the sound file is way high during the laughter parts. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back. Uh, what do you guys want to do? You want to do it? Um, I guess we can. Well, we can do it either, either one. I'm, I, I don't care if we go chronologically or if we go uh, uh, whatever way you guys want to go. Any preferences? Uh, I have no preference. Let's go chronologically then. All right. Okay. That always makes it easy. All right. We'll be back right after this. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Kat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. 
from the big sleep to big mama's house. Well, maybe not big mama's house. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. (laughs) (laughs) But don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. It's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libsyn.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. All right, we are back. Uh, yeah, you guys still couldn't hear anything, huh? So, no, sir. Just the sound of my own. That's <laughs> insane. So weird. It records and everything. It's so weird. Anyway. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, we roughly got about an hour here, so we're going to try to tear through these. Uh, we'll still give them the old uh, GGTMC uh, magic, the old G- GGTMC taint. Uh, we'll, yeah. put on, we'll lay some stank on it. Uh, that hot and sour, dare by. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, let me uh, let me click past a fucking ad for something I don't want to watch, and then we'll uh, we'll get here. Oh, here we go. The Living Skeleton, 1968, directed by Hiroki Matsuno. Uh, you guys heard the way I said it earlier. I'm not going to do that again. I always feel like I'm being uh, almost slightly racist when I do that, even though I'm not trying to be. I'm just trying to do my mafuni uh, 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 there. Yes. Oh, oh. And. Uh, so I had never seen this. I just wanted, for full disclosure, I'd never seen this before. So, but I'll give a well. There's no plot synopsis, but I can basically give one. It's uh, essentially a ghost story um, and a revenge tale at the same time, and uh, that's really all. It, I mean, there's really not a whole lot more to say about it than that. Uh, but it it's very interesting for the time period it was made. So, who wants to take the lead? Who wants to take a lead on this one here? Anybody? Except anybody? To- it's up to Todd, or do you want me to? Do you want you to, Todd? Uh, huh. I don't know that you want you to, as in the band from Dublin, but if you want me to take the lead, I, or if you feel like you picked it, so you want to, whatever you want, dude. Um, yeah, if you want to take it, that's fine. Cool, let's do it. Okay, so yeah, this was in the uh, Eclipse box set, Horror Came to Shochiku. Um, I'd had this box set for, I guess it'll be two years uh, in a few months. I got it for Christmas from the wife. And the only other one I'd seen, I think, was Goki. Mm. Um, I think. So it was cool that you picked this one. Uh, I can't think of skeleton in the title of a film without the lost skeleton of cadaver popping up. Especially with it being black and white and chintzy skeletal uh, <laughs> recreations. Yeah, those um, sugar skulls. 
yeah, definitely. Um, now, Shichiku was uh, a pre- prestigious studio um, leading up to this. Ozu, I think, worked exclusively there. This wasn't really their wheelhouse, and then they kind of went on this run of just completely uncharacteristic kind of bonkers horror films that are featured in this uh, this box set. And again, for those that sleep on the the Criterion Eclipse box sets, I mean, it's a bit of a no-frills package, but you get some really cool deep-cut films, and uh, this is a nice example of that. Um, color film had been around for a decent amount of time, almost a decade, I want to say, at least six or seven years prior to this, but they shot in black and white. I don't know how much of that was stylistic versus budgetary or a little bit of both, um, but I really feel like this film works well, black and white, because I think if you look at Onibaba and Kwaidan and a lot of the other Japanese, uh, what's another one? Uh, give me one more. There's one big one. Corneco. that's the one. When you look at the Japanese ghost films that are much celebrated, uh, much loved of the time, they're all black and white. Or Kwaidan's not, is it? Kwaidan uh, is not, no. That's right. I didn't think it was, but uh, the other two are. Um, and I think maybe there's kind of going for that. And I think you can do a lot more with lighting um, with some of the nice black and white widescreen photography that you get in this. So, Yeah, I don't think this would work as well uh, no. in color. It feels almost candlelit. It would have a completely different feel, I think, if they shot this yeah. in color, I think. It would feel even sillier and pulpier. Mm-hmm. Like, it would mm-hmm. almost feel like... Um, it would like feel more like uh, the X from outer space than it would from... Uh, to uh, some of the to the other uh, you know Japanese ghost stories we were talking about, and I think it would make them feel it would make it feel less serious too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the ghost story is not exactly one of my favorite stories anyway, but they always work better for me when they're in black and white. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something about, and I think too Japanese always get ghost stories right. This film's interesting to me because it's kind of got one hand in the fun pulpy world of zany kind of genre filmmaking, and one hand in or one foot in the grave of the watery grave mm-hmm. uh, of um, Japanese ghost stories and revenge. And I think it kind of straddles the the line pretty well, all things considered, um, which doesn't is, is no small feat. I mean, I don't think this is a masterpiece, full disclosure, but it's a lot of fun and it kind of works in both worlds pretty well and, and, you know, pretty much whiz bang from one scene to the next in that regard. Right. Um, the, Raiders of Atlantis bathtub footage. Uh, there's <laughs> nothing on this. This actually looks better, clearly. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, that opening shot uh, coming down from the clouds, uh, I, I think that's great. Yeah, there's a lot of great photography in this. Uh, oh, I'll absolutely. A few shots here and there, but um, I really like the photography. I think for me, the technical aspects of this, because this was a lower budget film, I think a lot of the stuff... It was kind of like the Corman stuff where the studio said to these filmmakers, you can make the film, but here's your budget. However you want to make it work, make it work. I, I mean, that's, that's the vibe I get anyway. Because mm-hmm. these you know, films, they really go for it. They're pretty bonkers. Yeah. Um, what do, 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 do? I don't know what that means. The, uh, the lead in this, uh, I think, is stunning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Just wowie. Um Kiko Matsuoka. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she didn't do a whole exactly. lot. She, you know, I thought maybe she'd been around for, or maybe did quite a bit of stuff, but I mean, she didn't do a whole lot. You know, full disclosure, I did do the Sammy search on her, so. No. Yeah. There we go, She's know. worth Sammy searching. Yeah. yeah. 
not not much really. I mean, there's a couple of you know cheeky things, but that's about it. Pun intended. Damn it. Yeah. She did uh, Trapped, the Crimson Bat. I feel like I've seen that. That sounds nice. It does, but... I think I did a I Sammy search on the guy that played the Burn Man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like that this trap becomes about... Uh, there's a user review and it says, if you like whips, and I mean really like whips, you will <laughs> love this movie. Like orange whips? <laughs> yeah, like an orange whip, yeah. <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> so anyways, whip. a licorice whip, man. Um, they sting. She's, what's that? I said they sting. I thought you said sting. He's in the rafters. He's going to interrupt <laughs> our episode. Um, <laughs> she's a real beauty, and I think that I think we were talking about who. There's an actress there. I've had like three and a half hours sleep. We're all pretty tired here. We were talking about a film uh, in the opening that uh, someone had watched, and I was going to say that. Uh, certain filmmaker. Oh, I think I was going to talk about how Nancy Allen uh, was always shot beautifully by De Palma. Yeah. Um, but this actress, Kiko Matsuoka, uh, who's aged pretty well from what I see here, um, just stunning. And they make really great use of her eyes um, and shadows and the way they kind of angle her face in films. It's kind of like, it reminds me of like a more, um, God, there's a shot of her in like a blue terry cloth sweater or cardigan yep. or wow that's nice man um <clears throat> but it almost feels like the way vanetta mcgee was shot in um the great silence really oh, using her yeah. eyes for maximum effect yeah yeah um and she plays it i mean she plays it as well as anybody in this film does i don't really think the performances are or i should say not the performances the characters are all that you know great uh, they're not especially well drawn out or anything like that. I don't like think they're that. meant to be. No, they're not meant to be. No, no, absolutely not. But, uh, but for what you know, for what they are, they the performances you know f- are better than that. Better than the characters are uh, are described in the, you know in the story in the screenplay. And I think sometimes you walk a fine line between being throwaway and dismissive of the role you're playing, and getting what the spirit of the film is, and just having fun with it. And I think mm-hmm. the actors in this, from what I understood are all you know they're kind of pro workman actors they all got it and mm-hmm. had fun with it versus just kind of were the half they didn't half ass it yeah no absolutely not uh lots of close-ups of eyes and it's weird because the music that shows up when uh, when her character well one of her characters is on screen very very and i know you guys got this very spaghetti western yeah Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable when you tie that in with the close-ups of the eyes. It's uh, it's no coincidence. Because what year was uh, Fistful? Like sixty-four or something? Uh, Fistful, I want to say, was 62, somewhere around there. Yeah. So this has been that had been out, and you know it. I mean, it hit everywhere, right? So sixty-four. Uh, yeah, sixty-four. For once, I'm right. Usually, I throw a dart at the board, and it uh, hits the wall. Um, that Sammy search turns up some interesting imagery. Woo. gotta get on that so (laughs) i always find it interesting when i see japanese films tended and i wanted to ask you this was one it might not have been i think you probably chose this todd more because um because of being a fun film uh but did the the catholicism and sort of catholic guilt and um i think some of those themes uh factor into your decision in choosing the film uh, no, actually. Um, it was more that 
out of that, well, part of it is that when I first saw this, uh, out of that entire box set, this was the one that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been, you know, trying to get people to watch it for, you know, ever since then. Uh, but I, I don't think enough people, well, I shouldn't say enough people, but I haven't seen enough people uh, talking about it um, because I really think that it's worth worth seeing. It's worth the experience. Uh, is the primary reason why I why I get. It. I mean, obviously, yeah. There, there's uh, that whole you know Catholic angle is is in there, uh, but nah, I don't think it's as I don't think it's as important to the film uh, as the other aspects of it are. Uh, at least not to my mind. I might. Be- I, I would agree. I think as the film unfolds, you realize it's more surface. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's complete. Well. I, I don't want to say too much about it without giving it away, but I mean, yeah. there there is something to it, yes. uh, but it's not it's not nearly as important to the film as the uh, the other elements of it are. No. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I didn't I didn't pick it for that. I picked it because I mean, like I said, I really I really really think that you know people should see this thing because I think they'll like it. I think you know. Uh, yeah, that's I can't primer. see anyone in our group when I fucking hated that film. No, I, I, I would be surprised. I would be shocked if somebody oh, didn't, man. didn't love this thing. And how about uh, how about that Japanese Jeff Goldblum priest? <laughs> that dude, man. It, he does everything really, but play the piano. He does. That's right. <laughs> um, it's funny, you know, just the early stuff because, it, it, you know, coastal – priest black and white life and death it felt like almost like a little bergman riff to me yeah he pops up um and the skeletons are great like we said they really feel like aquarium skeletons <laughs> it's kind of got that old fun. school you know almost like the fog too like mary tam tale type dude deal. that was my next note yeah the fog absolutely i, was I almost fog. feel like, i almost feel like uh carpenter may have seen this movie man yes there's moments yes. where i'm like whoa <laughs> Well, especially because, yeah, you deal with um, the ramifications of uh, uh, very selfish uh, criminal decisions. And, yeah, I thought the same thing, man. I totally thought the same thing. It's one of my notes. And. um, But the skeletons, uh, like we were saying, they don't quite compare to those bats. Yeah, that's true. Those bats are probably (laughs) neck and neck with the. There's two other bat like creatures that come to mind the ones in Rock and Roll Nightmare and the ones in. (laughs) Oh, what's that Predator? um, uh, Fuck, that film we covered. Oh, it's without warning. Todd talked about it a month ago. (laughs) These, those are the three, the trifecta of bats. The the, the cunt stars. The cunt, yeah. There, I said it. I know that's gross. <laughs> you, you got it off my chest. Yeah. Um, oh, got it out my pants right there. Got it out of your pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Opened your robe up, man. I did that terry cloth belt. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like. I think it's interesting to see a modern Japanese ghost story too. Mm-hmm. A lot of the more effective ones we've seen tend to be in uh, the times of samurai, and I think they look at. I think sort of timeless themes in Japanese and also just human. I was going to say Japanese society, but also sort of human nature. Uh, the lighting in this, I got to really pick up my pace here. The harmonica is amazing. The it was a bass guitar, right? With that uh, reverb. I can't. I can't. Re- I can't really recall. I couldn't be honest with you and tell you that I know exactly, but I think there so. Was some some bass uh, guitar. The harmonica we mentioned. Uh, what's her name? Uh, our lead. 
Matsuoka. Uh, Kiko Matsuoka. Yeah, Kiko Matsuoka. They light her and shoot her almost like uh, Bava shot Barbara Steele, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I get that kind of feel. Yeah. Uh, lighting is really one of my favorite things about this. Um, yeah, because the, the close shots give us an intimacy and emotional claustrophobia. And again, I think the Japanese theatrical history serves this film well with makeup and and things like that. Uh, I know one thing you you didn't forget, Sammy, and and that's uh, that subtle drunk acting from the alcoholic. Oh yeah, the gambling maniac. He's called in the uh, in and the credits. That guy goes for it, doesn't he? With that one scene when he's eating shit, he's like booze, booze. <laughs> oh yeah, he really needs his booze, man. I guess <laughs> Nick Cage esque. He didn't really need the booze. Booze. It's like free, it's like free pizza. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Knock? Have Sammy? Have you seen Knock Knock yet? I haven't yet, no. Oh, I can't wait for you to see it, man. <laughs> I'll check it out at some point, I'm sure. I can't wait for you to see it. It's fun. Did you, you did you see it, Todd? I think you saw it, right? Uh, knock, knock, no. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. I was going to say, there's, there's a scene in that when Keanu is redlining more than he's ever redlined in his whole career. Oh, nice. Oh. Now, you know what? Well, you know, now I got to see it because you know I love... <laughs> now I, I, love now I have your interest. Yeah, yeah, I love when actors redline. You know that. So. He does. I mean, he, he redlines for like three or four minutes straight. Oh, man. Yeah, and you've never seen him like that. He's usually in first year, right? The key's not even usually in the ignition. Yeah, as, yeah, as a matter of fact, that's usually the some of the complaints people have about him is that he's a little too stoic sometimes. He's had about 17 espressos <laughs> in, before he shot this. <laughs> nice. It's amazing. Um, you know, speaking of the drunk guy, uh, and I'm pretty sure it was the same guy, uh, but he has, when he gets in the shower... Yes. He has some of the hairiest fucking armpits I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he, he yeah. does. I mean, he's like, he's smuggling like animals under there or something. Yeah. And as we he know is. from this show, we, we we all have a lot of shower experience. We know <laughs> that uh, those might be some of the hairiest armpits we've ever seen. <laughs> they were impressive. I mean, it, it's straight out of like a, a Looney Tunes cartoon <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, the sad irony for him is he lost it on top and got it under there. <laughs> Isn't it always? Yes. Turn down um, the what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a really great saxophone in this too. Um, sax, harmonica, bass, guitar. Really, really love the uh, the uh, instruments that are used to um, make up the score for this film. Um, yeah, it's very simple but effective. Simple but effective. Uh, revenge and horror. I think we didn't. It's funny, you know. The template kind of got set in North American horror with teenagers getting killed, um, and the ripple effect of teenagers paying the price uh, for the sins of the past generations, which you can look at the subtext for that. But to not look at the subtext, I think to see sort of seedy, scummy characters get their comeuppance and the revenge in horror films, I don't think was really looked at uh, enough in North American film. Like, I think another thing that could have um, recalled or harkened back to this is something like uh, something to tide you over from Creepshow. Oh, yeah. 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 When I look back at it, the, the, especially even like the, the the makeup design and stuff reminds me of kind of Japanese ghost stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how about the great line from one character? Why not just quit and become a pimp? Because <laughs> yeah. he was saying work was too uh, was too hard or something. Hey man, um, life advice. Life yeah. advice. Uh, we get some great uh, GGTMC pro tip. The pro tip. <laughs> the pro tip. That's the rounded tip. Yeah. Just quit um, your job, become a pimp. That's a pro tip from Sammy pimp. there, babe. Uh, yeah. them armpits. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> man, those were some repulsive, to be honest. <laughs> no offense to our hairy armpitted uh, yeah. listenership. 
Yeah, I'm not very thatched yeah. people. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of hairy armpits either. You know. <laughs> hey, I don't mind. I'll say this. I don't know what this says about me. As I've gotten older, I'm not as averse to the uh, the European look on women. I don't. I don't seek it out actively. Oh, no, no. But that's that's uh, not about. But when I was about sixteen to seventeen. I couldn't have. Uh, yeah, but but if they look like the gamble maniac from this film, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't have got down with that. I, mean, that, that's I, I still don't. Yeah, I still don't think I can get down with that. <laughs> no, yeah, I can't get down with that. That's too much for if much. You, if, if you're in the middle of, uh, you know. You know, a little oil action or something. You get a hair in your mouth and you realize very suddenly that the girl you're sleeping with has short hair. And she has no hair below the waist. And you're wondering where that long hair came from. And it came from that pit. Oh. I'm, I'm willing to bet it for pits are like oh, that. Jesus. Florida's like that. <laughs> that. You can't have one and not the other. Yeah. Man. <laughs> that just doesn't That's a go. good point. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a good I point. If you're not going to bother with, mouth. yeah, you're not going to bother. And why with is pits. it? Why is it when you have a hair in your mouth, you can never get it out the first time you try? I know it's no. it's about three or four times yeah. of like rubbing your finger along your tongue before you get it. Yeah. You do the. <laughs> It's like, it just doesn't come out the first time ever. It's like trying to find the toilet bowl when you piss in the middle of the night. It's like, whoops. Oh, yeah, whoop. <laughs> oh, pissing on your foot, man. We you do a pole you, position because of the morning wood. Oh, man. and Yeah, exactly. And you don't hear, like, the water. So you're like, oh, fuck. All you hear is porcelain yeah. being sprayed. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> that's the worst. Yeah, well, um, that, that's not the worst. The worst is when you hear the, you know, the wood trim below the toilet or, you know, the uh, floor or something being hit. And you're like, oh, fuck. I'm going to get in trouble for yeah. that one. Uh, that discoloration of a uh, tile and the grout, that, di- that discolored grout. <laughs> we we have uh, me and you both have we have boys though. We say, oh yeah, that was Landon. That was my son. He did that. <laughs> green Green Arrow and Hawkeye, they ain't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Fuck man, we bought one of those uh, toilet bowl uh, lights where you you know when you come in, it's a motion light. So like you come in and the toilet bowl lights up. Hang on one sec. I got a, a wild man awake. Hey, bub. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Probably just uh, nailed that toilet bowl. Want to go on mommy and daddy's bed? <laughs> Hang on one sec here, guys. No, no problem. We'll, we'll kind of... You guys uh, yeah, we'll, roll. Yeah, we'll roll. I'll, I'll just it. say my final note. There was some great skeletal treachery that gets sold by one of the actors. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and the fog was really effective. And why did I write Johnny Doggy? Oh, the, the, never mind. The collie stuff. Okay. I'll, I'll just... I'll let you guys roll. And I'm going to... Johnny the dog. Uh, he, um, yeah, he was a good puppy. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, he was. Um, <laughs> let's see. Do you do you want to take over? Or should I? Uh, yeah. You go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Uh, the um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh, uh, the, the one of the things that occurred to me um, as we were talking about. Uh, well, same with the close-ups of the eyes and that. Uh, but also, there's that steeple shot early on with the bats, and even you know, despite the bats, I got a real Hitchcock kind of vibe off of that. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, I think that this does owe a little bit to Hitchcock in that whole kind of well, and, the, and you could even say well in that line of uh, you know making the line to De Palma with this kind of yeah. uh, thing. Because to my mind, this is almost like uh, Japanese giallo uh, is what I would probably compare it to. Uh, most and more than more than a horror movie, although it has you know the supernatural elements to it, right? Because uh, Giallo always had that sort of thing to it as well, but it always played it realistically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's uh, there's deep deep blacks. There's a real gothic atmosphere going on in the church. The deep blacks, the candle uh, candlelight, the thunderstorms. Uh, there's a really great shot where uh, the uh, where 
uh, Kiko is standing outside in the rain and the storm, and it's you know all black, and then the, the lightning crashes and she's lit up. Uh, it's, it's absolutely is hundred percent effective. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Um, you get do, 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 do. you get a little bit of grab uh, grab ass and around the bay in the motorboat. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. just for yeah. <laughs> just, just because you know, to, you know, to appeal to the teenage audience, I guess. A little grab ass. Um, <laughs> uh, Psycho, the character, the lead character, is, is you know, she's really great at it. She's lonely. She's alone. Um, and uh, aside from you know, we've already said how Matsuoko does in the uh, in the role, but you know, she plays the. Uh, she has that fragility uh, that she plays very, very well, as mm-hmm. well as being, you know, uh, creepy. And uh, forceful when she has to be. Like I said, it's a really good performance. Um, that thing with the uh, the grab assery that leads to something that I think is pretty funny in the movie, which is homeboy. There, he tries to explain away those store bought Halloween skeletons for seaweed. It's clearly <laughs> they're, they're clearly not seaweed, bud. I mean, he really yeah, no. he really wants to move, uh, you know move on past anything, you know, but a good time at that point. He's at that point if he's trying to sell these fake skeletons with uh, these almost. Uh, Mexican Day of the Dead type faces uh, <laughs> as seaweed. Then uh, yeah, you know he's he's really got he's really got blue balls. You know at that point he's he's really <laughs> trying to move on. <laughs> he needs to get down to basics. Yeah. Um, like uh, like a lot of these movies, uh, the, it has a lot to do with the past. Obviously, you know, haunting uh, the present and all that sort of thing. And it um, it also plays in with the uh, the whole thing about twins because uh the opening of this film it starts off with a massacre on a on a boat um which i don't think we we said we mentioned anything about it at this point uh but it starts off with a massacre on the boat and one of the people who's is uh a victim is uh psycho's sister uh and her uh her husband who they are you want to talk about a a, a summer fall marriage uh this would be that yeah because uh, he is old enough to be her grandfather, um, but the uh, oh, where was I? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so that leads into the whole thing about what her connection is with the with the fog, with the uh, you know, there's the the fog or not not the fog, the um, horn will uh, will blow off uh, off screen, and everybody always you know turns and uh, is you know unnerved by it. Um, I completely lost my train of thought on that. And I'm sorry. Uh, do, do, do. Somebody blew a horn. You turned around. You're like, oh, I lost I it. Blue balls on that blue horn. Uh, Can you guys hear that? What? Is the microphone picking it up? It's raining like unbelievably loud here. Yeah, I hear it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a fan or something. Thought you was maybe, you know, looking for the toilet bowl. <laughs> that okay. mop up in IO3. Yeah. That is a serious. Yeah, yeah. As I say, that is a serious spray. You might want to go good check for maybe a possible obstruction in the uh, canal there, by well, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> urethra Franklin. Urethra Franklin. Um, that's right. The mangle uh, horn. Is that what? You- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that mangled horn. Uh, oh. You get a little bit of cavalry action. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Do do do. Did we mention oh, that this is uh, Hiroki Matsuno's only movie? Only movie he uh, ever directed? As far as I know, it was, yeah. yeah. I think he did, yeah, he did a lot of TV work, yeah. documentaries and stuff, but I think, it, it, as far as IMDb says, it's his one actual film credit. He was assistant director a fair bit. Kind of a shame, kind of a shame, really, because... It is a shame. 
If this is the oh, first yeah, thing you ever did, he, yeah, I mean, this is really good. Um, I love the uh, the flashback uh, shots where they would they'll have the characters, uh, you know, then and now, but you know they they like flash, you know, to silent images of uh, of what happened in the beginning of the film to yeah. show us who these guys are now. I love that little touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, great stylistic little uh, little bit there. Um, we talked about the gambling maniac. Uh, uh, I think the film keeps it mysterious, uh, even after certain things are revealed. Um, you're never a hundred percent sure until we get uh, through the whole thing whether uh, the pirates are are seeing uh, ghosts or not. Uh, and it's great to watch how these guys turn on each other, uh, how this kind of social distrust between them. Uh, which is really kind of the plot of this thing. I mean, like I said, the the characters you would normally think would be the the driving uh, force behind this are not really all that active uh, outside of um, you know just their their basic roles. Uh, the primary uh, the primary actors in this are the uh, the pirates and you know how they kind of how their whole uh, their whole plan kind of falls to shit. Well, not their plan. How their lives kind of fall to shit after this whole thing comes back to bite them. Um, and that really kind of gives it its whole pulp, uh, you know, kind of, uh, aesthetic to see. Oh, uh, there's the, the shot of the corpse being hauled up with the skeletons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's a sweet, sweet dummy drop off of the lighthouse. You betcha. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, that'd be my well, notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is, let me see, I'm going to make sure I get this right. There's the confession scene, uh, which I thought was filled with pathos. Um, the psycho's really torn between anger and remorse in there. And it's, I thought, I personally thought it was a very, very chilling performance, very chilling moment uh, for her. You get, uh, oh, yeah, there's a little sleep creeping going on and stay and uh, strangulation late in the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, you know, hey, got to tw- have it in there. A bit of a twist. You even get... You even get a little bit of bare breast action, which is non-titillating, non- although it is uh, very much appreciated. Yeah, no, it is non-titillating, but oddly I was titillated. Yeah, <laughs> you can't help some things. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's, a bit of, uh, there's a bit of clunky exposition towards the end, and that it doesn't really affect how I feel about the movie. But that clunkiness tends to roll into the finale um i think it keeps it really atmospheric but i think that the editing gets a little more choppy uh you know it's just um it doesn't quite uh hold together as well as it could uh once we get to the uh the finale on the boat uh oh uh the uh the final final reveal comes straight out of thin air but it's so good uh-huh. Uh, it's so creepy and just so I mean, it's pure pure pulp yeah uh and then we get another great dummy drop uh <laughs> at the end there yeah we uh going into the water buddy um it's uh, this you know i think this movie owes a lot to so many things but uh, it still works insanely well for me um i mean it, it's as much gothic as it is you know ghost story as it is pulp as it is crime as it is you know giallo it's all of those things and it uh, it really really works insanely well for me uh it's not strong on character um 
but it uh, I think it brings it in terms of uh, plot and visual aesthetics, and they really really hold it together for me. So uh, do I'm pretty sure that's all the notes that I got. So if you know anything you got to add, brother. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. Uh, I agree with you guys on the actress Kiko Mats- Matsuoka. Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think the most interesting part of this for me was, you know, I'm watching this. I'm thinking, wow, I need to watch more films by this uh, this filmmaker, and then find out it's his only movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that kind of sucks, you know? Yeah, yeah, it um, really does. Yeah, it does. I mean, it just this kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, another sweet thing, just for personal reasons, got a great runtime. This film. Oh yeah, it's short and sweet and to the point. It's, uh, I think it's it's like eighty minutes tops yeah, or seventy six like, minutes something yeah, like that. Eighty minutes, nothing's wasted. Uh, you yeah. know, you get a lot of great imagery. Uh, you get really good performances. You get a lot of great things. Are bats a thing in Japanese culture? I don't even know if they are. I didn't look it up. I meant to Google it. Uh, I'm sure they are. I'm, well, I'm sure they're. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I don't know. I don't know what they actually symbolize. I think it's more the uh, the European Gothic uh, element of it than it is anything else in this particular movie. Mm-hmm. That would be my thinking. I mean, I don't know 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I meant to look it up. Like, maybe they're a sign, like a precursor or... Well, I, I, think that they're, I think they are symbolic in the film because they're always banging at the window, right? right. So they're kind of like the past yeah. trying to get back in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that's how I looked at it. Or maybe they just want to see a tit. Hey. They, uh, they, hey. I, can't, I, I would not blame them at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the... Uh, you know, of course, we talked about the kind of long tradition of ghosts in Japanese culture and... Like I said, man, I think, I think it's just, you know, it's really confidently directed. All the imagery works. The acting all works. Nobody, even the gamble maniac, I mean, he's way over the top, but it's okay because it works, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, it works in this in this context, absolutely. Yeah, it's really kind of amazing. Um, I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I mean, I was really kind of surprised by this thing. It really kind of blew me away because, uh, like I said, I hadn't seen it. So you never know what you're going to get with these, you know, some of these films that are... Uh, from another culture and stuff, horror film stuff. Sometimes I think you got to. Sometimes I think you got to be able to relate to the material. Sometimes not. I think this one just works like a flat-out human story. So, yeah, I think the revenge element obviously adds a lot to that too. So, you don't have to go too deep into a cultural kind of, uh, you know, into like cultural research really. Because, like I said, I meant to look up the bat thing, but I just never got around to it. But no, revenge is universal. Yeah. So yeah, revenge is always it's something every human being either you know struggles with or. Uh, thinks about or you know it's it's well it's easily might be one of the greatest storytelling you know motivators of all time right so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean you think about any story you can pretty much think you can probably find a revenge plot in there somewhere even within a story that isn't a revenge tale <laughs> so yeah yeah no me and you have uh, me and you have talked about that before yeah yeah revenge is is always around the corner it seems all right uh yeah, we'll go ahead and make a break and MVTs and stuff. Will you there? Is it still raining on you? Are you, you still uh, spraying? What are you doing there? <laughs> you uh, I think he's occupado. Uh, we'll, uh, all right. We'll go ahead I'll, and do ours, and then we'll uh, see if he's back with time to do his. So, Okay. Uh, make or break for me is the opening. Um, it's got style to burn. It's mean. It's an absolutely great setup uh, to this movie, and it's shot so well. You got that reflection in the glasses and all that stuff. <laughs> Uh, just super, super, super stuff. Um, the MVT is uh, the the pulpy, anything's possible kind of feel of the thing. Um, you know, it really just it keeps it keeps moving along and it keeps you it keeps you trailing with it. And I, I just more than that, I couldn't say. Uh, you kind of you really kind of have to experience it um, to get the full flavor. And the score for me is pretty high. I'm going eight out of ten on this one. Nice. Will, you want to go ahead and get yours in? We didn't know if you were back or not. Yeah, we know you're back. Yeah, I'm on. 
Um, my make or break scene is. I really like uh, the first time we we get the uh, the close up of our lead uh, in more supernatural uh, form. Mm-hmm. Um, MVT. I'm going to go with it's a little bit of a cheat, but I want to go with the uh, the technical aspects of the film because I really love 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 the lighting. I love the decision to shoot black and white. I love the photography. I love the score for the film. So I'm going to do a cheat and say. Um, the stuff basically you don't hear, but you see uh, from a technical perspective. Um, my score is a 7.5 out of 10. This is a really fun one. It's a shame, a crying shame uh, that we didn't get more uh, from him, uh, from uh, Matsuno, because yeah. he knows how to make a genre stew that's pretty fun and uh, caters to a lot of different sensibilities. Yeah, yeah we were just agreeing with that uh, before when you were off. Uh, yes. Nice. My make or break. Uh, I wrote a, that was a tough one for this one to find a make or break. Uh, a lot of good moments in here. I'll go with the uh, the kind of unveiling of the twist. I can, you kind of see it coming, but I still think it works really well. I actually didn't, if you can believe it. No, nice, nice. Oh, that that last. I mean, like I said, that last final final reveal is just straight out of the blue, and it's oh, yeah, so great. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the previous one. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that yeah, one. Yeah. That one is really out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I'm talking about the other one, yeah. But anyway, either way, it, it, it's got it's got a couple great twists to it. You know, it's a uh, one up and uh, the Shamalama Ding Dong there by Shamalama Man, Shamalama Man, yeah, uh, Shamalama Smoky Man, Smoky Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my MVT is a little bit of a cheat here. It's uh, Masuno, but it's also with a slash Kiko, uh, Matsunoka, because yeah. she's so great, and God, so beautiful. Great. Yeah, she's beautiful too. I mean, she's just it's wonderful beautiful. to look at. And my score is uh, a little higher than Will's, 7.75. I, I really like this movie a lot, man. It's really good. Cool. I'm it's glad you shame, guys like it. It's a shame she didn't work more. Like, yeah. I know she worked, but it's a shame her name isn't as well known as the Raiko Ikes and the Miko Kajis and stuff because she's beautiful and she's got a presence on screen. Um, okay, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk a little De Palma. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, The Fury from 1978. We'll be back right after Rascal this. number two. This is Red Brown. You're listening to Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Bring me to Jakarta! I'm gonna raise my daddy from the dead just like that old fella. I'm gonna drive to the country in my Cadillac to the lonesome family graveyard. Cause I got a cold whiskey and I got a cold blood. And those are the ingredients of resurrection. I'm gonna raise my like that old fella Lazarus Gonna steal new shoes and slick my hair Make her real proud of me Cause I got a cold whiskey And I got a cold blood And those 
right, we are back. Uh, our next film is Brian De Palma's The Fury, 1978. Uh, I don't need to say the director's name again, do I? I don't think so. Um, stars one Kirk Douglas, John Cassavetes, little Carrie Snodgrass, little Andrew Stevens action back on the GGTMC. Yeah. And uh, several others, Amy Irving, Charles Durning, uh, Fiona Lewis is in there. A lot of people, a lot of people in there. William Finley, briefly. Yes. Um, playing one of his typical William Finley kind of greasy (laughs) creep roles. Uh, Basic plot synopsis. A government agent is determined to come to his son's rescue when a sinister official kidnaps him him to harbor his extremely powerful psychic abilities. All right. Um, I don't know if one of you guys in particular want to lead on this or not. If not, I'll lead on it. Doesn't matter. I picked it so one of you two lads have to. Uh, It's not Sammy. You could take it. Okay. Trying to clear my throat there a little bit. Um, okay, so The Fury. I know I've seen The Fury once before. Uh, this does not have a great runtime. This has got the uh, the old two hour runtime, and I'll kind of get <laughs> I'll kind of get into that a little bit as we go here. But uh, it was kind of interesting watching it now, uh, being such a fan and kind of reevaluating a lot of De Palma stuff over the last ten or fifteen years of my life. I mean, I I, I can't. I, th- I think I saw this back in the early days of video, uh, more than likely. And um, I wasn't really too too uh, impressed with it outside of a few things. And then rewatching it, I'm still not overly impressed with quite a bit of it. Um, but there are some things that I can kind of take away from it now that I couldn't take away from then. So it was interesting because I, I remember some pieces, but I couldn't remember everything. So some of it, and, and Will kind of joked about this on Facebook, you know, some of it felt like the first time watching it. You know, and he kind of posted feels like the first time from Foreigner. But it did kind of feel like the first time in a weird way. Uh, this was so my much. first time watching it. Oh yeah, was it? Oh, oh was it? I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, De Palma himself not a huge fan of this one. Uh, I think it might be his least favorite of his films, right? Yeah, yeah, one of his least. I've yeah. seen something. Yeah, right? yeah. I think there was some uh, some uh, kind of you know mess uh, behind the scenes, and I don't think he was you know kind of super happy with the way things turned out. I don't, I don't think there was any issues on set. Like I think everybody got along. Uh, I know in the documentary he talks about obsession and how. Uh, um, what's his name? Cliff Robertson didn't, uh, <laughs> he hated getting his close-ups taken away. <laughs> so he would always be such an asshole to the lead actress. <laughs> so he would be you know, like, he was such, like a real jerk. Um, very strange. Anyway, actors are such weird people sometimes. Um, this one can be, like I said, it can be divisive. I think, you know, I think the, the length of the film might be a problem because to me, there's a lot of filler in here, yes, but for, me, for me, what doesn't work in this movie and I don't know how you guys felt about this, but for me, what doesn't work is there's some really odd comedy bits in this movie that yeah. feel like they're part of another movie. Yeah, it feels it almost feels like Kirk Douglas being an old studio guy mm-hmm. is trying to inject some kind of old studio feel. I don't know. I don't want to pin Kirk for it, but um, yeah, I don't know who to blame for that. Well, I mean, look at that. Look at that whole sequence where he, <clears throat> he busts into the people's apartment. And starts to, you know, he becomes the master of disguise, right? And he's just sitting there having, he's just shooting the shit and telling the entire, everybody that he runs into, he wants to tell his entire life story to. Yeah. He's not a it's very like, good dude, uh, you're supposed secret to be, agent. Yeah, it's like, you're, you're yeah. fucking this up. Yeah. This is not how you do it. Yeah. He's doing too much Smokey Mon. He puts mon. the shoe polish in his hair. Yeah. Too much Smokey Mon, he's, not enough secret agent Mon. There he that's, that's right, mon. man. And too much pillow in his uh, shirt to be an OB, like a heavy <laughs> yeah. man. And, but, and I, the, the other thing about that scene that kind of that kind of got to me is we go through all of this shit to get 
dressed up to put this disguise on, and it works for not even two seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he gets literally out the door, and they spot him. They do. <laughs> now, now, Kirk was uh, sixty-one when he made this movie. Kirk's still kicking at ninety-nine. Uh, strokes and many other things have tried to take Kirk down, but he's like a rock. He ain't going nowhere. And yeah. uh, as as Kirk got into his middle age years. The more and more his face to me became more and more kind of bizarre. Uh, I never really understood why he was such a big star. I mean, I guess he was handsome in his young. I mean, for, I mean, again, I'm I'm going from a male perspective here. He was kind of macho and stuff, but I never really saw him as a handsome actor. I always thought his face was much more kind of character based. It's very, it's a very unique look. And of course, the young Kirk Douglas looks a lot like you know young Michael Douglas, and there's moments of that too. But and here he's he's starting to look a little. I mean, even though he's in great shape, I mean, I'd, I'd you know, I'd be, I'd be happy to be in the shape Kirk Douglas was at 61 with a Speedo uh, wrestling with Andrew Stevens on the beach. I mean, that's my life goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit like Will Brenner there. Life goals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hashtag. Hashtag. Squad goals for Todd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hashtag cocktail wiener. And, uh, <laughs> you better bring the thunder if you're yeah. wearing a Speedo, man. Yeah. You better not give a fuck. Or you better not pack it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or you can pillow pack it like uh, Kirk does. But the <laughs> yeah. the uh, the interesting thing is though is that John roll. John Cassavetes though is only forty eight here, and I'm five years younger than Cassavetes is in this movie, and I swear Cassavetes looks like he's sixty three oh, at yeah. moments. I mean, he I think he smoked and drank though, didn't he? Yeah, he he lived a. I mean, these guys, these older school actors, you know, they lived a harder life than you know. They, a lot of these guys. I mean, Kirk Douglas, I mean, he's ninety nine, but he smoked for years and. He drank a lot and stuff. Sometimes it's just in the genes, right? Literally and figuratively, but sometimes it is. Yeah. In Cassavetti's case, it was not. Uh, you know, he eventually ended up dying of cirrhosis of the liver. I don't know if that was alcohol-based or uh, other health issues. I know he, I remember that reading that a doctor told him he had like six months to live, and I think he lived for five more years. And from what I understand, those last five years were hell. So, right. I mean, uh, maybe sometimes when a doctor tells you you got six months to live, maybe six months is the better way to go. But he uh, evidently had a really rough time toward the uh, the back end of his life. I mean, the last few years were really bad. So, I mean, but, you know, Cassavetes has such a great face. I mean, he 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 is, to me, like like one of the great heavy faces of all time. Like, he just has right. the face, you know? Yeah. Like, even when he's happy, he looks like he's going to fucking kill you or your children. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah. got those eyes. Yeah. The and, eyes, yeah. And he's really, really good in the movie. And I, I'm not saying Kirk Douglas is bad in the movie, but Kirk Douglas is a movie star. And, and this feels like a movie star vehicle. It feels like, okay, I'm going to stand in this phone booth. I got this great thing. And I, I get it. It's a bit of a disguise to go, I need your body, baby. You know? Oh, he's that, yeah. <laughs> maybe, he's, yeah. maybe he's playing secret agent there, but it's very bizarre, you know? And <laughs> there's it's a few almost, other bizarre yeah. moments like that. It, I hope it wasn't like a Brando-esque thing that he was going to just do Kirk's going to do what Kirk. I don't think it was. I think I'm unfairly making assumptions about old Hollywood stars because Brando, he showed up to a few films doing inexplicable Irish accents. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brando just, yeah, Brando just did whatever the fuck he wanted. Yeah. he got. And you either, you either filmed it or you didn't. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think the, I think the it. guys like Douglas or Lancaster were. I mean, they they wanted a certain level of control because obviously, you know, they don't want to look like jerks. But at the same time, uh, I think that they were they would give themselves over enough to the you know have a little bit of faith in the directors that yeah. they mm-hmm. work with, or if not, just replace them with somebody who's an absolute you know anonymous nobody that they could walk all over. But I couldn't see that happening. Yeah, honestly. yeah. It, it is I think they had an, I think they had enough integrity to to not do something like that. Yeah. 
It is interesting, though. I mean, there's just like some really weird touches, and I have to I have to wonder, you know, at this point in Kirk Douglas's career, you know, is he is he trying to add some stuff to it? Uh, you know, what is he trying to do? So well, let's move on past you that. Could, you could put this on. You could put this in the same realm as like Saturn Three for him, though, right? It's yeah. Just, you know. Yeah, that's another one that I, I thought about Saturn Three a lot while I watched this. I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> uh, I'll take this over Saturn Three, but uh, not by yeah. a whole lot. <laughs> not by a whole lot. Um, this one to me kind of stands out. I wish y'all should also say this is the first film. I should say so. I was going with the casting. The Daryl Hannah is in here. If you look real close, you can see Daryl Hannah. And she, yeah, she's in the the cafeteria scene. Supposedly Jim Belushi's in here somewhere. Uh, and he's in the, like shorts on the beach. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I didn't go back to look for him, and I never saw him. So it must have been the very young, very skinny Belushi, Jim Belushi. Uh, not that he's huge, but he's always been kind of a you know a chunky man. So I chunky you know I, I, so I didn't I didn't see him. I, I didn't go back to look for him. I was watching William Finley too closely. There's yeah. some really great De Palma-esque moments in the film, though. That's that's the one thing you can take away from this. There's still that De Palma touch all over the movie. The tracking shots, oh yeah, uh, the escalators, the um, the amusement park. Uh, one of my favorite uh, De Palma uh, sequences is in this. Even though I don't love this movie that much, I do love the Amy Irving getaway scene. Mm-hmm. The uh, slow motion car chase, uh, oh yeah, all that oh, yeah. stuff with all scored by. Um, is, is this one scored by Pino? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I think this was. Uh, oh, oh God, John, Will- John Williams. Yeah, yeah, John yeah, Williams. yeah, that's right. John Williams. That's right. Because, but it was John Williams doing um, Bernard Herrmann. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they were looking for some. It's kind of Bernard Herrmann uh, touches, so Williams kind of took it upon himself to do a little. But it feels like, and because of that, maybe that's the way you can kind of uh, sum up Pino's career, is he almost feels like John Williams doing Bernard Herrmann sometimes. Uh, because it does still feel like, it's still in moments, it felt like Pino to me. Um, yeah. um, not, not in a bad way, not in a good way, but I mean, just in that, that kind of way that De Palma likes. You know, he likes a lot of bombast in his scores, and we, we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that when we did Raising Cain a while back. So Man, that was a bad score by Pino. Yeah, so we, we know that he likes to, uh, he likes these kind of big, you know, uh, Hitchcockian type scores. Uh, Amy Irving, uh, for me, she just as an actress, she never really worked for me. She still doesn't. I mean, she just. I I, I don't have anything against her personally. Obviously, I don't hate her as an actress. It's just she doesn't really work for me. She doesn't. I don't find her super appealing. I don't find her super interesting. Oh, I, do. oh, I, I would. Yeah, I would also disagree. I yeah. think she's wonderful. Yeah, I just don't. Just I, wonderful. It, it doesn't work for me. I'm a more of a William Finley kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in this movie, uh, in this movie, yeah, I'm uh, I like the right. I like the girl that's uh that plays the pregnant girl. I, I like the bitchy girl. And maybe that's, that's become more and more of a thing for me. I'm starting to wonder if I got I got something going on. A little fetish there. Yeah, I might have something going on there. We've already spoken one of my fetishes today. Now we got another one going. Yeah, well, we spoke <laughs> of three, haven't we? The the well, showers, hairy armpits, and now uh, about the hairy armpits, bossy I thought, babies. I thought maybe you were going by the toilet bowls. Maybe the toilet the holes. toilet bowls. <laughs> you should see uh, the Kentucky version of Corel, man. Yeah. If I come into your house, I'm gonna be checking your toilet hole. Yeah. <laughs> take take that how you want. I, you know? I can take pictures of it for you. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's one of Todd's fetishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Amazing. But yeah, she just for me. I mean, again to each their own right i mean sure i like andrew stevens but i know he's an acquired taste i mean it just it, it, <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean he, he's a to me he's never been a good actor he never will be a good actor he's an interesting no. guy and he's had a lot to do with uh some of the kind of great b movies over the years he's still a producer now and i'll always he's appreciate nice yeah i always appreciate andrew stevens but uh 
Yeah. You're not an actor. I'd want to, <laughs> you know, I'd, if I was going to make the, uh, you know, an Oscar winning uh, type movie, he's not the guy I would put in the lead. So, but yeah, you do get into some of his, uh, you know, De Palma's uh, signatures, you know, spy cameras, there's voyeurism in here. There's all that kind of stuff. There's some dream sequences, all the kind of things that he likes to do. Um, there's, there's also a really good sequence too, where the, uh, where she's remembering Stephen's thoughts and, uh, that I really like that scene too with the glass table and the uh, and the uh, the other actress and the blood and the blood is very red in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Um, the amusement park, obviously, that's another that's another <laughs> that's another De Palma esque moment. Fucking Stevens hates Sheiks, man. God, he yeah, he fucking he hates Sheiks. <laughs> he does. He hates no more than anything. He hates Sheiks having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all hate yeah. Sheiks having fun? The backup name for this podcast. This is the Sheik's Having Fun Podcast. Number of fun. <laughs> Number of fun. fun. <laughs> anyway, I think it, I thought to myself, I got my kids again. <laughs> taking the Sheiks out. I was sitting there thinking, yeah, man, we they should have scored that with Real American, you know, from like Hulk Hogan, you know. Like, <laughs> dun 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 dun. dun, dun. When, when Steven, when it when it cuts to Stevens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The the payoffs he for comes a lot in of the, wagging his finger. The payoffs for a lot of those scenes are great. Like I said, if you're a film, uh, you know, lover like like the three of us, you can go into a De Palma movie a and, and yeah, yeah yeah or even a, even a lesser De Palma movie. And for me personally, this is a lesser De Palma. Uh, and just like Raising Kane is a lesser De Palma, you can go into those films and you can still see all the signatures of Brian De Palma kind of ooze their way out. And I think going back and looking at this one was really interesting because. There's a lot of really good stuff in here, but it's surrounded by a lot of bizarre, like the Dennis Franz buddy cop thing is weird yeah. mm-hmm. with the new car thing. That's weird. The uh, The phone conversation is weird. Again, the, the scene Todd was talking about him getting into the people's apartment. That's weird. Well, how much of that is John Farris? Uh, control and well, both the, the novel and the, and the yeah. screenplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But you know, comedy has never really been for me. Every time Brian De Palma kind of steps into that world, he never really. I, I don't know his sense. I don't of think humor, it's his strong suit. Yeah, it's his sense of humor. I think that's I just an understatement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his sense of humor, I do not find. Uh, you know, does not work for me. Let's just put it that it's way. Very weird. It it just doesn't. Yeah. Work. I mean, it's kind of flat. Some directors are like that, right? So, I mean, some filmmakers, they just, you know, and I get it. I mean, you know, you, I mean, some people like Scorsese, you know, he thinks some of the funniest parts in his movies are the most violent parts, and they propulse me. You know, like I, I remember him saying that he thought that, you know, the scene where uh, Joe Pesci and, uh, well, I'm not going to say anything, but there's a scene in a cornfield and casino. Oh, man. And he thought that, uh, you know, they were having a really good time that day and they were laughing it up and stuff. And he thinks it, it really works. It's kind of like dark comedy on screen. I'm sitting there thinking, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> that freaked rough, me out, man. That seems a rough watch. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, God, how's that funny? <laughs> but, you know, again, to each their own because comedy is subjective. Although in this, I don't feel like this is subjective comedy. I feel like this is broad, very broad comedy that doesn't hit. Well, yeah, actually, actually, I say it, yeah. it hits, but it doesn't land. I mean, it lands badly at spots. That's Ooh, part. I see everyone up in my house. Yeah, right. My wife's probably thrilled with that. Oh yeah, you know, women. I should have sent you that uh, video I had one time of a woman waking up in the morning. <laughs> There's a dude drinking coffee in the kitchen, and I'm doing this on the podcast, so I'm clearly understand that I'm a married man of uh, going on 20 years. That when a woman wakes up, the man's in the coffee in the kitchen drinking coffee, all you hear is. Ugh! 
Because <laughs> if you've been married for a long time, you realize very quickly women don't get up as easily as men do. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a little bumpy that first 20 minutes. Am I right, Will? It can be a little bumpy. Be careful. Watch your step there, bae. Watch yourself. Yeah, watch yourself. Show me what you got. Um, <laughs> I said, not when she gets up. Yeah. Bad yeah. move. Yeah. Pro tip, yeah. don't. Back in the younger days, I might have got a... The early days of marriage, you got to wake up and show me what you got, baby. Nowadays, I'm like, where's my fucking coffee? Yeah. Uh, I love my wife dearly. <laughs> Let me say that. Um I want to. Uh, Will's going to have to get off soon, so I don't want to go on too much longer. But I do I mean, think I'm going to have to stop recording. Yeah, I do think that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do think that. Uh, took me a second <laughs> after you said that. It took me a second to realize what I said. Uh, I do think that the film, if you took out, unfortunately, yeah, I don't think you can though, because I don't think it works. But if you take out some of the character stuff with the uh, the Peter Sansa character, I guess that's the uh, the uh, Kirk Douglas character. I think it would work better for me. He does. He never really feels like, for me, he never really feels like a dad that's that desperate. He kind of feels like a CIA man who is on a mission more than a dad. Yeah. And of course, well, he, he's he's more a father to Amy Irving than he is to his son. Yeah, I but I think that's feeling a void that was yeah. taken, like that was taken away from him. So Although sure. he fills a void, he does bitch allows... slap Amy at one point. Yeah, well, that's you a know. sign of the times, right? Sign of the times, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the early, st- like the early scenes with him and uh, Andrew Stevens on the beach in Israel. I really, really, really love that scene. Yeah, I like the opening yeah. a lot. Yeah, I think the opening is fantastic. It's weird. Parts of this film almost feel Friedkin to me. Yeah. Um, more than De Palma, I know there is certainly some De Palma flourishes, but the early scene with them on the beach and the racing in the pool or in the the pool—that's one big pool—in <laughs> the ocean <clears throat> really a lot feels. Of people re- peeing it. <laughs> Speaking of which, yes, um, and it felt very natural to me. And I really liked that scene. I wish I think that there's too much focus on yeah the the spy hijinks, yeah, and not enough. Like Andrew Stevens is totally left. Uh, like totally abandoned for most of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate because I think Stevens, uh, being in over his head and I think this film works, uh, looking at sort of the sort of the same way Carrie did like the, uh, youth and the, the pitfalls and, um, well, I, some I, of that think, stuff. And I, I think they, they mishandle some of the, uh, allotment of screen time here. Yeah, yeah, no, it absolutely. If they'd have paralleled the two, uh, the Irving and the Stevens characters yeah. a little bit more, then it absolutely would have worked better. Yeah, it would have. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. It absolutely it just leaves him out in the lurch until it's time for him to do his thing. Fucking freak out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's this weird moment, too, in these movies where everybody kind of bounces a little bit before they freak out. There's this like weird bounce like thing. I got. I was joking with CDR about uh, Cassavetes and the kind of bounce to the ounce he's got going on toward the back end. Man, there. you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Listening to a little zap. There. I, was about to, I was about to say zap and Roger, man. Yeah, and then uh, the Stevens has that same too. Uh, I like. I love that scene all the way up until. And again, it's not to harp on. I don't know how I'd react to if my dad was being chased down by some sheiks on uh, some motorboats and stuff, but. You know, he's kind of bouncing. That's my dad. My dad. You know, it's just kind of a weird, it's a strange performance. <laughs> and, uh, but I know. think it's, um, <laughs> I think it feels emotionally kind of, but he's a bit stunted because of how he's been shuttled around and yeah. he's almost been like a weaponized yeah. 
young person. So, yeah. and I kind of agree with you. They really do drop him. I mean, he doesn't really pop back up into the movie until more than halfway through, and by that time, he's watching. Clearly, he's watching the Fury edited for his memories on a movie screen. Uh, yes, it's very which is one of our favorite tropes. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite tropes in any movie is when somebody watches home movies or uh, maybe flashbacks, and it looks like it's made by the director Footage that made the movie. The <laughs> well, the great film to use it was uh, Spasmo. Did yes. that really well. Oh, Spasmo did it great. They give you almost a whole recap of the whole movie. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I have not I was like, this is really well made. <laughs> yeah. I think Andrew Stevens was thinking. Rasimov would have been. I think Ras. I would love to have seen. Rasimov and Cassavetti square off in a Fury type film about shadowy agents. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The only other note I got about this movie is that, uh, like I said, the payoff's fun. Uh, the De Palma S stuff is good. Uh, the uh, um, oh shit, was I getting ready to say? I was, oh, the psychic angle. This is during the era of the. I always kind of talk about this stuff. The psychic stuff. I mean, this is they're really going hot and heavy on this one. <clears throat> they got a school. They got everything. Charles Durning's hanging around drinking whiskey. They got all kinds of stuff going on here. Uh, there was a time, you know, obviously, when uh, this stuff was really, really well, you know, it was really, really in the in the pop culture, you know, and and this is kind of capitalizing on that. So it's always very bizarre to me to go back and see that, you know, because I can remember being a child, remember thinking, you know, that that stuff was huge, man. There'd be like TV specials of people reading minds and stuff. It was like a big deal. Oh yeah, and it's it's always so bizarre to me. Also, I should say that the film was really well shot. I do love the way it looks. I love the the Brian De Palma eyeballs, that lights in the eyes and stuff. Shot by Dickie Klein, who shot some other stuff, some really good stuff, and uh, he does a great job. So I'll kick it over to one of you guys. All right. Uh, Will, or do you want me to go? Or? Go ahead. Go okay. ahead. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, like uh, like uh, Sammy was just saying, De Palma really does a, a great job uh, visually with this thing and Klein. Uh, there's you know nice reframing with the camera movement. Uh, there's the uh, there's split diopter you know shots and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So it it looks great if nothing else. It looks like a De Palma film. You could really feel his uh, his thumbprint on that. Um, do do do. Oh, uh, the, this has possibly one of the greatest tracking shots in the history of uh, cinema with the uh, the shot behind uh, Amy Irving and her pal uh, as they're walking down the uh, yeah. the the sidewalk there in their bikinis. Uh, I was hundred percent. Oh, I was a hundred percent behind that. <laughs> yeah. um, you were you were the rich, you were the William Finley in that scenario. Am I, right? I was the William Sorry, Finley in that <laughs> pants and all. Um, he had some ratty ass pants. He did. Um, <laughs> I'm always scared to look at these uh, when, I get to <laughs> when we're recording. I'm always scared to look. <laughs> I never know what I'm gonna get. <laughs> oh, oh man! Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> nice. The pokeballs a bong. Nice. Yes. <laughs> nice. Smoke him up. Every time I see a pokeball, I think about fishing. Am I the only one? Nope. <laughs> I didn't think so. If you're from North America, you think about the bobber nearby. All the bobbers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like we were saying about uh, Douglas, he, uh, you know, for his age, he still loves going shirtless, and uh, and he's up for a little stunt work, and he, you know, does a nice job with uh, with what he's given here. You know, yeah. jumping around a bit in the uh, the I think it's Chicago. Uh, yeah, it is Chicago. Scenes. Yeah, I feel like him and Hes- uh, him and Heston were trying to hang one on one in the seventies. They yeah. thought the same thing. Him and Heston yeah. love it, and that's maybe why I got a Friedkin vibe too. Is the Chicago stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> um, 
there's uh oh uh the girls are given a lecture at their school by a parapsychologist which i never had anything like that at my school we never had anybody interesting talk um <laughs> yeah i think i had a i think i had a plumber show up and a dentist yeah and, uh, <laughs> nice oh <laughs> uh, god um <laughs> You get a little, <laughs> you get a little Carrie-esque uh, female antagonism going on at the school, uh, which gets quickly settled, uh, which I liked. Yeah. Uh, the uh, oh, when they're in Chicago, you have very very movie street life. You know the people hanging out oh, when yeah. uh, Douglas is in, is in disguise and kind of uh, wandering around before he meets up with uh, with France and his partner. Um, yeah. Cassavetes, like we've been saying, you know, he's he, he. I think he gives his all in this film, like he gives his all in everything, even when he's just sleepwalking through it. When he was just doing yeah. it to get, you know, yeah. uh, get money to pay for one of his uh, his actual personal films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he always, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he spills his guts to everybody he meets. Uh, I didn't even think about that element. I didn't even think about it. It's funny how you watch a movie and you get a different perspective from somebody you hang out with or somebody you talk to. I never even thought about the fact that Kirk Douglas is the worst secret agent man ever because he talks to everybody. Oh, he does. <laughs> I never even put that together. I find it even more. I mean, I think I might even like the movie more now because it's so stupid. <laughs> he is the opposite. But maybe that's why. His, his strategy is just it's so crazy it just might work <laughs> oh lord they'll never believe me because i'm telling them everything <laughs> <laughs> it's just so crazy it might work yeah you're right <laughs> um i thought that there was a nice little uh there's a nice little thing going on with uh with parents and kids in this because uh, you have irving and the mom kind of character hester Yep. Uh, at the Paragon Institute, and they, you know, combined with um, Stevens and uh, Kirk Douglas on the other end of it. But then Stevens kind of, or not Stevens, uh, Douglas kind of um, becomes a bit like a father figure, eh, a little bit, to yeah. uh, to Irving. I really like Snodgrass in the film too. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, no, she's good. Uh, she's and by the way, and by the way, you do get uh, at the Paragon Institute, you do get uh, large Marge action in there. Oh yeah, that's uh, large Marge. She's the uh, the housekeeper or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what exactly her role would be off the top of my head. Um, I did a large March Sammy search right after I saw it. Yeah, buddy. Did they t- who did you tell him Sammy sent you? <laughs> yeah. I don't have to. At this point, Google knows who I am. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like every uh, time I type in an actress, it just finishes it with nude. <laughs> Ooh, it's funny. Uh, large March did an episode TV show. She she was on a TV show called My Sister Sam. Oh, nice! Oh yeah, the Pam Dopper uh, show. Yeah, <laughs> Pam Dopper joint. Yeah, Pam Dopperman. Dopper is fun to say. Showing how horrible a person I am. Um, <laughs> uh, being at the Paragon Institute is a lot like being at summer camp because uh, they just kind of are kind of you know having fun things and doing activities and shit. Um, and I don't think well. Here's the thing for me. I think that I think that once you hit around the the first act, uh, once it's done, I think that the movie just kind of meanders a bit too much for me. Mm. Um, I still like it, you know. I, I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, it, it's certainly not. Uh, it's certainly not in De Palma's top tier. Uh, no. I don't think anybody would argue that. Uh, it's. It's. Um, it's. Uh, th- it just loses all momentum 
yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after once we get into the second act and on, uh, and especially just because of how it forgets about. I mean, like we said, uh, the, if it had maintained a, a little bit of. Um, the cross cutting between the Stevens character and the other characters, I think it would have maintained, uh, you know, a bit of pacing and and uh, an interest, but it just didn't. Uh, and that really is is its biggest failing, more than the the goofier elements, uh, for me at least. Um, there's that great great shot of uh, of Stevens at the carnival uh, when he's walking and the lights are exploding around him. I think that works fantastically well. Yeah. Um, and we, I, I would have liked to have seen more of that kind of thing, more like the uh, the carry versus carry kind of unleashed thing. Um, Andrew Stevens is not the greatest pole vaulter in the world. He sure isn't. <laughs> he is not. He he gets fucking pissed too, man. <laughs> oh, buddy. I think when you keep dudes in three piece suits, it's not conducive to much success in track and field. He's also no. he's also a terribly uh, he's a terrible jilted lover. Like he gets oh, pissed, yeah. man. <laughs> he gets mad. He gets that fucking uh, that Cro-Magnon brow going. He gets fucking he pissed. <laughs> he can't. The girl can't help it. Um, uh, 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 large Marge got that. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, it's oh, and then of course you, you. I mean, you can't really talk about the movie without talking about the ending, uh, which is really, really. As for as much as I love that moment, uh, and anybody who's seen the movie knows what I'm talking about, uh, for as much as I love it, it just feels a, uh, it feels tacked on, and b, it feels very very abrupt. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know I, I think that it was it was it's more just like a final shock thing more yeah. than there's anything else. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think, I think the movie doesn't quite resolve itself as good as it should have uh because i think it just you know what momentum it did have just kind of it just kind of starts to fall apart in the in the finale for me mm-hmm. and uh, as i like i like the angle that it took with the the stevens character um but at the same time i mean that that ending just i don't know it, it just didn't uh, it, it goes flat it goes flat yeah there's me. another thing in there it doesn't always hold true to the amy irving don't touch me stuff because there's moments where you look she's touching other people and she yeah yeah nothing happens so maybe it's just a thing I, you know one of the things i realized this time about that ending is it almost didn't feel juicy enough like i feel like there had been more you know it, it's it, there's some juice but i feel like it oh. should have been juicier yeah, it is yeah, juicy. Yeah. It took them a week to clean up the first take. <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't work out. They had to go back and do it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it may have been uh, may have been juicier that first time, maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe so. But the uh, the final uh, the final meeting between Douglas and Stevens, I think, is a bit anticlimactic as well. Yeah, and uh, how that resolves, <laughs> and it's just, I mean, that's that's the problem. I, I, that is how I would I, describe the movie on the whole: is I, it's anticlimactic. You want to know the part I laughed at the most in this movie, and that and it makes me feel bad. It's the part where Kirk Douglas goes, no, and then something happens. <laughs> and then John Cassavetes goes, just goes, get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> that should have been a little bit more dramatic, I would think. Cassavetes. Yeah. He's just like, I got to go film something. There's yeah. no fucking time for it. He's like, I got to go write a scene for my wife. Get the, get these fucking yahoos yep. out of here. Yeah. Jenna's been bugging me. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Peter Falk, he lost his eye. Come on, let's go. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> me, sir. Yeah. All right, Will, you got anything you want to add? I know you're uh, going over your time here. but 
Yeah, I'm way over, but it's okay. It's, it's bound to happen. Um, I got a few things, yeah, lots of things, but I'm, I'm not going to overstuff it. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, um, so yeah, this is from the time. You know, this is the Palma's second telekinetic film, mm-hmm. or film about telekinesis. It's weird because when you, I think the part of the problem is, and I've never read the source material, so I don't know. Um, how I feel like see I've always liked this film and I've always repped for it because I think people should in it more than I think if this wasn't De Palma people would like it more than they do Um, but because it's De Palma and this was sort of De Palma uh, in his Stevie Wonder 70s creative output uh, period it gets looked at a little more harshly Um, there are a lot of flaws with it but I wonder if the source material didn't translate well or was pared down and the runtime was already bloated. And I think some things feel disjointed and disconnected as a result, maybe. Okay. That's yeah. what I feel because I feel like there's, there's something there with the weaponizing of, of human beings and also uh, of the youth. Uh, this is, you know, obviously post post Vietnam. I mean, that's what a decade earlier, almost or six or seven years earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the, you know, weaponization and then you tie that in with, Sort of the whole Yuri Geller and the ESP thing, and and that craze that was uh, going on uh, around the world. Um, I think there's a lot going on, but I, it, it almost doesn't feel like De Palma was the right director for it, as much as I liked the film. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, there's, there's there's potential certainly, uh, but yeah. yeah, it just it just felt feels like missed opportunity more than anything. It feels a bit square peg round hole. I love the yeah. opening scene though, like I said with. Um, De Palma has Steven. a ton of these type of movies. No, I'm sorry, Will, I don't mean to cut you off, but De Palma has That's these okay. movies in his filmography, though. I mean, I feel like this, I feel like Raising Cain sometimes, I feel like Mission to Mars. There's these movies that have these... I've never seen Mission to Mars. Yeah, but the, I mean, but there's very De Palma-esque moments in that as well that, you know, you feel like, you know, he, you know obviously he wants to work. Um, mm-hmm. So it's hard for him to get work. And especially now, it's even harder. And, yeah. uh, you know, you just feel like he takes on stuff sometimes like Mission Impossible, which was a big hit for him. Yeah, uh, and it has De Palma s moments in it, but it's not very much a De Palma film. It doesn't feel like not what we know. Yeah, not, not what, what we, we think of. I should yeah. say. Yeah, and that's what this one feels like to me too. It feels like De Palma moments. With who, you know who might have been better served, and again, I don't, I don't mean to disparage the film because I like the film more than you two. Clearly, is I almost feel like someone like Frankenheimer or someone. Sure. Yeah, might have been better served with this yeah. material. I don't know, but I think because. Um, De Palma seemed like such a good fit because he was so hot. He had just done a telekinesis film with youth. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just, it seemed like it might, was probably a good fit for the studio and they hopped on board and he got to make a film and work with Cassavetes and Douglas and everyone else. Um, but yeah, I think just seeing that push pull with the wrestling and the racing between the father son uh, is good. And I think Kirk, despite what I think of, I think of him as an old, I, I like Kirk. I, I think I, I, my perception of Kirk and I don't know Kirk as a person. I don't know any of the, the Hollywood Babylon-esque gossip about him, but my perception is such that Kirk seems like a pretty decent human being. Yeah, um, he's a stand-up Seems guy, like a natural father figure. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, you know, I'll warmth, be honest. There's a warmth yeah. to him. I feel like um, guys like uh, him and Peck and... Um, yeah, he's one of my uh, favorite of the kind of like tough guy actors of like the 50s, 60s era. You know, with the hat I don't think he's cigarette. a great actor, but I think yeah. he's, there's, a, there's a warmth and a humanity and an intent integrity... I'm also thinking of what's his name um, from the swimmer, Bert Lancaster. Mm-hmm. There's an integrity of those guys and an honesty. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're 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 a, 
they're cut from a different cloth than the actors nowadays, really. I mean, you, you see some yeah, of that sometimes, but it's a different type of Hollywood lead we're looking at <clears throat> back in those days, you know. And those guys oh, kind of bled over into the 70s, and it sometimes they would struggle, and sometimes they would hit it out of the park, you know. Mm-hmm. It just no, kind of depends on true. who they would work with, really. One thing that Kirk doesn't struggle with is um, shining in a scene where he gets to wear a Speedo and shoot an AK-47 on the beach. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a GGTMC scene if I've ever seen one. It really is. Oh, yeah. I kept and thinking, yeah, the whole, and they're even filming it for you. Yeah, yeah. I kept thinking yeah. the whole time that uh, man, those rocks gotta hurt his feet. That's what I kept thinking. I'll tell you oh, what, that's I, the worst. I, yeah, you know when you go to a beach and there's rocks instead of sand. Oh, it's oh. The beach becomes a joyless endeavor. My feet. I don't know. I feel like such a wimp when I'm on a rocky <laughs> beach because I feel like my feet feel so tender. Yeah. No, that's it's just I think it's the natural. joy out of being at the beach. It's really like, does. Come on, motherfuckers, get your act together. Stop with the rocks. Put sand in. Yeah. Hey, this beach is Rocky Mon. Yeah, Rocky Mon. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> but uh, if Finley's good in a small role, I really, really like uh, Irving in this. I, you know, it's a weird thing. Irving in Carrie, the way her hair is done in Carrie. My wife did her hair like that a few times. So whenever I see Irving, I think something about her reminds me of my wife. So maybe that's one of the reasons I really like Amy Irving. Yeah, that could be. That's one of the reasons I like my wife. I mean, Irving, I don't think of as one of my all-time favorites, but I think there's a sweetness and a warmth to her as well. Um, And I think she works quite well in the film, sort of on unsure emotional footing, transitioning from or into womanhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think Stevens works well. I think he's um, cast well because I think his awkward, his I don't how he's awkward in the film. Uh, I think is sort of a testament to the awkwardness of youth, and it was good casting, maybe more than good acting. Not to take away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this? Oh, we yeah, had Kirk with us. We stuck with the cheap ass shoe white he puts in his hair. <laughs> uh, oh, there's a great, there's a very GGTMC line in this. I'm surprised neither one of you mentioned it. Uh, if you're nervous, why don't you masturbate? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. I'm yeah. surprised I didn't that's write right. that down. Too. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't write that down. Well, I probably wasn't writing it down because I was probably you, masturbating. You weren't writing it; you were living it. Yeah. <laughs> I probably thinking about hairy armpits and toilet holes, <laughs> and and heavily populated public showers. Yeah. Amazing. Um, girls can't be called asshole. I don't know if these girls got the memo, but you just can't call a girl an asshole. It just it doesn't go. It's yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird to me. Too. I get that same feeling sometimes. It's really strange to asshole me when it doesn't work. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Uh, like cunt is no. the word you use for you know. I'm terrible. That's it's terrible. I know it's terrible, but asshole doesn't work for me. Bitch or no. cunt or well, asshole works for me. No. Well, <laughs> well clearly, clearly we've we've yeah. talked about all of our fetishes this morning. Clearly, the, to- the toilet I don't hole. Pro- I don't have a problem calling a woman an asshole. I mean, if she truly is an asshole, yeah. But I mean, I just don't really. But I call her something else. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I, my my first choice would probably be something else. Yeah, but. But asshole, this seems more of a, a male thing. He's such an asshole. Um, uh, raw emotion of females, I think, is isn't cl- as clearly or or brilliantly executed as it was in Carrie, because there's just a lot of balls in the air with this. Um, Douglas looks like Humpty Dumpty when he's got like. <laughs> pillow and everything else um there's that great uh alleyway garbage destruction trash can destruction yeah yeah yeah. and there's that great thing of just when the dude gets like his alleyway organized the next car comes through yeah (laughs) so that's good um what did this say peter 
Peter killed Childress arm with I don't know oh, if that yeah. even yeah. oh he shot him in the arm he yeah. killed his arm he killed his arm he actually says that at one point he killed that's right that's what he arm. says he says he killed my arm yeah <laughs> killed my arm <laughs> and then he wears the sling for the rest of the movie like it's still with the black glove I love it yeah yeah that's right it's like a James Bond uh, villain all of a sudden yeah oh, it, it, I do get a Bond villain vibe from him in this because <laughs> uh, he's wearing all black the suit uh, De Palma can't resist the voyeur shot of the woman on the uh, phone when Douglas is in the phone booth. Yeah. Yep. We need great. your body, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, how about the drapes in the van? That's a very GGTMC thing. Oh, is, that, yeah. is, is that slang for something? I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for that toilet hole. Yeah. The how curtains. About, how about the curtains. Kind of curtains. Yeah, how about the curtains on that toilet hole there, baby? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. I don't know if you want curtains on a toilet hole. <laughs> I don't. I no, it's don't. too easy to get things on it. I don't want the curtains anywhere near the toilet hole. One more thing to wash. Yeah, I mean they're close by nature, but yeah. you know, by proximity, yeah, they don't, they don't need to Body drape towards the toilet hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, goodness, the toilet uh, hole. You know, when I woke oh, up this morning, there's certain things I never thought I'd ever say. Those are two words. <laughs> Now, oh, the rest man. of my life, I'm going to say toilet hole. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, we lived in a glorious age. 1978 was a wonderful year when we could see a, you know, a beautiful young Amy Irving eating ice cream, smuggling raisins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, the joys of a bra. I just said to my wife, we were watching, I said, it wasn't the, weren't the 70s great? I said, no bras, wonderful. Yeah, um, no bras. Whenever I see those... Uh, those I was, you know, I always go to call ESP ESPN now because of um, uh, what's that movie with um, the Playmate or the House Pet or the Housemate when the blonde actress Anna is Anna Ferris. Oh, the House Bunny. The House. What is it called? The House Bunny. When yeah. she says, "It's like we're psychic or have ESPN." <laughs> yeah. I always, I always <laughs> say that to people now. But um, yeah. whenever I see those ESP flashcards with the shapes, I always think of Ghostbusters and that scene with Bill Murray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. Here's a pro tip. This, this is really, this was the pro tip of the culinary pro tip of the day. Uh, when you're making a Sunday, don't use a green banana. Yeah. That's yeah. a bad move. That is a That's bad, bad banana. Yeah. It's got to ripen. Yeah. Yeah. Snodgrass did not give a fuck. Yeah. Green bananas. Also, as a man that has to wash dishes uh, a lot for uh, you know one of my chores in the house is to keep the dishes clean, you know? Yeah. Uh, don't use all your fucking fancy shit on all your sauces and shit, man. Bring that shit out disposable. I know it looks good, but fuck. You <laughs> I gotta, know. You got to wash that shit afterwards, man. <laughs> Yeah, spoken like you know, spoken like a man who's th- you know. I'm looking at the meal. I'm thinking, fuck, who's gonna do these dishes? A lot of needless dishes here, man. <laughs> fuck, a lot of needless dishes. Um, and uh, that'd be like sticky, the- sticky too. To sticky everything be sticky. It would be. <laughs> so would the toilet hole. Um, but uh, I think that there's probably clearly more going on in the book because it talks about kind of the mythology of these these kind of powerful beings, like these telekinetic beings. Like the Chinese don't have one. The Russians don't have one. Uh, you know, it ties into sort of the whole Cold War and what's going on behind the curtain or the beef curtains, I guess. Um, <laughs> the fingernails bleeding and all that stuff, it works pretty well for me. It's a pretty basic effect, but I think it works pretty well. Yeah. Uh, the shot of the escalators is tremendous. Oh, it's uh, great. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of that uh, the M.C. Escher painting. Yeah. Well, obviously, bit. he would revisit the escalators in Carlito's Way and 
that's one of even though Carlito's Way is maybe not one of De Palma's greatest films, that escalator scene in, in Carlito's Way is one of the greatest things he ever did. Yeah, and John Williams would agree. Ding 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 ding. Nice <laughs> time to get up. Um, yeah. Uh, what did I say? Okay, uh, it looks like Michael Caine's office from Dress to Kill is in this. There's an exterior shot. It looks like he's the same office. Yeah. Uh, there's a stuffed lion in this. Whenever I see a stuffed lion on film, I think of Samurai Cop. <laughs> Um, the, the shot through the garden is good. The slow mo stuff. Kirk only wear. I think he had it in his conduct. He could only wear brown and tan in this film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very early <clears throat> tone. That was in the contract. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that says. I'm almost done. <laughs> I already mentioned Stevens isn't given enough to do. I love the. Uh, you know what. Forget it. I like this. I, I like the back end. I like the last twenty minutes. It, it does ramp things up. It, yeah. it it's not the sort of logical way I think that we would want it to go, um, because I think there's a lot of exposition. But I got to give it up. Rick Baker. Um, I think he does a good job with with uh, the few opportunities he's given to shine with his special effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah they're pretty simple effects, but they work. Yeah, a lot of you know bladders under the skin type stuff, pulsating. You know the seventies. Yeah. The, yeah, there's some effects and he couldn't pull off and carry because of budgetary constraints that he used in this. Yeah. So. The uh, okay, so uh, let me get into the make or breaks for me uh, and score. I'm gonna kind of throw myself out there and see where you guys land on the score. Uh, I am curious what your score is going to be, Will, because I like I said, you know, I know you you're coming off as you like this more, but I'm wondering where you stand score wise. So I want to see what, sure. what the differentiation, you know, was between our scores between our toilet holes. Uh, the, the make or break for me. Uh, there's a lot of great moments in this. I like the amusement park scene. I like, uh, well, I like the money shot, even though it's not really, you know, it, it's it's it is what it is. But I like it for all the reasons. And then there's several others. The escalator shot's really nice. I mean, there's so many Brian De Palma moments. But I'm gonna go with that. That like I said, that Amy Irving escape scene. I really like. That. I like the way it's set up. It's some of the comedy that works actually. Uh, where she drops the mail, and then you get all that going on. The slow motion running, I like that. Uh, the, con- oh, yeah. the the conversation between the guys on the radios earlier is actually one of the other comedy bits that I actually thought did work. Where the other guy comes in, it's like you two assholes, shut you know, shut this shit down. That's right. Um, but the way that all plays out from that point on, I like. I like it. I like the way the you know the jogging individual comes slow motion running that whole time. I mean, I love all that. I mean, it just it's very it's very diploma. Uh, MVT. I'm gonna go with Dickie Klein on this one. I think this is really well shot. I think it's actually one of De Palma's best shot movies. Actually, I, th- I really like the way it looks. It's got a very almost Dean Cundey esque type look to it. Nice. Uh, great eyes. Uh, everybody's eyes look great. Uh, they glisten quite a bit. But some of the dark stuff too looks really good. Very. That that scene toward the end with Stevens, uh, you know, little hang time with Stevens. There is very that 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 does feel very freaking to me. There's something very freaking ish about that. Uh, uh, about that whole setup. Uh, anyway, and my score for the film is a 6.75 out of 10. Nice. Mm. Uh, okay. Uh, the make or break for me is the uh, the happy montage at the Paragon Institute. Uh, I think that once you get to that point in it, uh, you're either going to be able to go along with it or it's just going to kind of lose all uh, all gas for you. It's just going to peter out. It's like, burr, 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 like the Millennium <laughs> Falcon. Um <laughs> but and that and that's kind of what it did for me. I mean, like I said before, um, so I think that you know, if if you're okay getting through that and and kind of making that work for you, then you'll be great with this movie. If not, then a little bit less. So um, MVT for me is going to be the De Palma Klein uh, combo. 
from my opinion is that they are really the only real distinguishing uh, characteristics on this film. Um, you know, they really have their they really have their uh, their fingerprints all over it, and it's uh, it looks great. Uh, you know, for uh, for what it is, uh, they both uh, bring their A game, I think, to uh, some very very B material, um, and. Uh, by and large, they make it. They make it work as much as they can. The score for me is going to be lower than Sammy. It is going to be six point two five out of ten. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I guess it's my turn. Um, my make or break scene. <sighs> That's a tough one. Um, it is a tough one. I'm going to go with the beach scene with the guns only because it's so GGTMC. I don't think it, it's necessarily organic to rest the film, but I really enjoyed it. And I think it does set up where that the, was bond, the bond between Stevens and Douglas. And even though he's having a fun time regaling strangers with his tomfoolery and life stories, I think it does set up the urgency and love he has for his son. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be a sucker for a father-son thing, of course. Right. Um, MBT, I'm actually, you guys are going to get nuts. I'm going to go with the two young leads in the film. Um, I love Irving in the film. I love Irving, period. I think Stevens, there's something about Stevens' performance that is very melancholy to me and very sad and very tragic because his youth's been taken from him, his father's been taken from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what that says about me if I'm bringing emotional stuff. Not that I had a hard, was hard done by as a child, certainly, but if I'm reading too much, but I, feel, I felt that stuff really worked for me. So I think even though it didn't pay off with our two leads the way I maybe would have liked or the logical way it could have gone i think in the moments where we see the anger of stevens and the kind of um awkward unsure footing that irving finds herself on i I just i really enjoyed that um more than anything my score is a it's not really much higher than your guys it's uh 7.25 i quite like the film because i feel like most people think of it as a total turd and a mess no it's not bad Um, no i wouldn't go that far it's over long uh, but there's still a lot to chew on and talk about no there's 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 still a couple films in de palma's filmography that are worse than this oh yeah yeah which i don't know if we'll ever get to but there's definitely worse material than this yeah yeah, you could go. You could do a lot worse. So that stuff was shot in Israel. That other stuff, and yep, that, that, I was looking at the locations. That reminds me of another great shot in the film, where that van, that Volkswagen van, comes up on top of that parking garage, and they do the time lapse. I love that scene. I love that shot. Yeah, no, definitely. I think this is the older I've gotten, the more I appreciate a director who thinks cinematically, like Brian De Palma. Oh, he does absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just appreciate that more because there's there's less and less of that now in filmmakers. I mean, there are the ones that do it. But I just think there's less and less, you know, cinema and more and more story and shot. Well, uh, there's more cynicism with audiences nowadays. Yeah. And to have something, you have to have conviction in your talent mm-hmm. that you can sculpt a cinematic world and have your characters inhabit it without the cynicism of the viewing eye to say, well, that's very ridiculous. Right. All right. So that is the big show. That's a good one. Uh, the Fury and uh, The Living Skeleton. Check them out. If you haven't checked them out, um, we know what we're doing next week. You know uh, who's picking what? Who's picking who? Who's picking who's on first? Well, you've been off for a couple of weeks. Do yeah. you want to pick a couple uh, festive films first? I won't pick. I won't pick two. But I was talking to Ty while you were away. I'm going to definitely pick one. Okay. Uh, Do you have one in mind, Todd, or no? Um, no, sir. If you got something, absolutely. <clears throat> okay, I got something. If uh, 
if uh, and we are going to get to the Toys for Tots picks uh, after this month. Uh, bear yeah. with us. Yes. Um, we're just ironing out how we're going to tackle all of our commitments, but that is coming down the pipes, coming yeah. out, coming out the toilet hole and in the yeah. toilet hole very soon. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. got one. If uh, Do we know what we're doing for Halloween yet? Uh, we do not. I still got to contact Diabolic about something, but uh, I, still, I, I don't know if we're going to do that or if we're going to do something. I have an I idea if that else. nothing pans out for Halloween. It's one film, but it would probably be long enough that we could do just it, but I can talk to you guys about that off the air. Yeah, um, sure. Okay, I got one. I, um, if Todd doesn't want to pick one right now, I got one that we can go with. I am picking a horror film. So that, okay, good. So am I. Okay. Trying try to stay festive in the month of October. I know our scheduling has been whack. But, yeah, we uh, don't do a lot of uh, horror uh, as much as you would think we would. No, we don't. Actually, I was noticing in Ruborg Magazine, some of the other podcasts we're friends with, they got mentioned in Ruborg Magazine this past month. And uh, I noticed they most that's because they mostly do horror films. We don't do enough horror films. We didn't get a mention. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's okay. You know, that's all right. We're guilty by association. Yeah. We're naughty by nature. Yeah, not because we hate guys. you. Yeah. <laughs> we're down with OPP. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> other people's, All right, what, other people's. What do you got coming out of your toilet hole yeah. next week, Sammy? Other people's pierogies. OPT. Oh, other people's, oh, other people's toilet holes. Ooh, down with OPT. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with OPT. <laughs> All right. Nice. Other people's dumplings. Every last right. homie. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. I'm going to pick, uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to pick something that kind of defines the Midnight Cinema staple, something that, you know, has that vibe that uh, we're looking for. Low, cheap, could be shitty, could be shitty great, who knows? I like my dates to go yeah. when I'm yeah. single. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Low, cheap, and OPT. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> well, wait a minute now. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Blood Shack from 1971. Director, <laughs> director. the blood shack. <laughs> yeah, blood shack, baby, blood shack. Oh man, <laughs> like, that's where it's at. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, blood shack, nineteen seventy-one. Directed by one Ray Dennis Steckler, one of the Ooh, nice. quote-unquote worst filmmakers that ever lived. And I would have to probably agree with that. It's uh, much worse than most. Uh, I don't know about this one, but most of his films are much worse than Ed Wood films. But anyway, somehow Ed Wood got got labeled with that. I don't know how. <laughs> We're going to try Blood Shack. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking for a... I kind of want to review, in a way, it's weird. I kind of want to review a turd. Does that make sense? No. So yeah, I ca- absolutely. I, ca- I have a lot of fun when we do turds sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Other people's turds. OPTs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's a lot, there's, uh, you know, there's always a lot to talk about. Plus, the runtime for Blood Shack is only 55 minutes. So. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful runtime. <laughs> yes. And it is on YouTube for anybody that wants to yeah. <laughs> get on it. Yeah. It is. Well, it's good because then with our two films together, it'll average a three-hour runtime. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. Oh. I mean, no, 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 not average, not average. <laughs> Whoa. An hour and a half runtime. Okay, good. Ah. Whoa, oh. I was about to, you guys were like, ooh, put the brakes on that yeah, one. Like, <laughs> what are we doing, man? Uh, sticking in the vein of late 70s, early 80s films that uh, I don't think get enough love that I like, uh, that there's a lot to chew on um, and discuss about behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera. This is what I mentioned you guys I wanted to do closer to Halloween, but fuck it, let's do it next week because I'm tired and can't think of anything else. I want to do Wolfen. Okay. <laughs> okay, that works. I just saw Todd's post in the hot tub. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go there. Oh man, let me just let me give you this. Uh, let me give you this uh, frame first. Let's like think of a. Uh, uh, Puffy cereal, perhaps, or maybe a maybe a Cheeto oh. puff, an air puff. 
Oh. All lips, no hips. <laughs> that, yeah. that certainly is the case there. Wow. Yeah. That's a boat horn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, there it is. That's a speed oh, bag. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, Will's. Yeah, you know, that, that, that is a fun fact. I like that, Will. That, that, kind of, that, that might be a little on the heavy side, though, don't you think? I mean, that's that's a little too puffy, right? Uh, uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. No, that, 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 that's a little, well, I don't know. That's, whoa, that, whoa. <laughs> I just did a zoom in on my phone there. Whoa. <laughs> I'll just, is- let me just quote the, I'm not going to quote, I'm not going to say his name, but he, he writes the greatest Facebook post ever. He'll know it when we say it on the show. I hate when I shave off my goatee and mustache. My face looks like a puffy shaved pussy so we love you dude don't worry about it oh man i've had a beard now for about over a year and a half and i often wonder what my face is going to look like when i shave it off if i shave it off i'm not i don't think i'm going to shave it off though i think i'm going to keep on rocking plus it's nice i mean i love not having to shave it's great it's a great luxury (laughs) it's a great feeling man the wife's okay with it. I'm okay with it. The kids love it. I'm like, hey, I'm not complaining. Mike is like it better when I don't shave. They yeah. like it. You know, have like a beard. Yeah, that's what my, my son is. He doesn't even like it when I trim my beard up. He, he gets irritated. He's like, oh, you look funny. Yeah, my kids are like that. And it's funny because I was like that with my dad. Yeah, yeah I, I was like that with my dad too. Yeah, my dad used to shave his beard or trim his beard way up because he worked around enameling and uh, he'd trim it way up tight. And I always be like, dude, you look strange. <laughs> Yeah, right. no, I know. It's funny, my dad would do that in the spring. He'd shave his beard off, and, I, and he'd come down the stairs, and I'd be like, "What?" So we're doing a little Wolfen Shack next week, huh? Wolfen Shack. Wolfen Shack. It's interesting because Blood Shack is actually directed under Steckler's uh, one of his all one of his uh, aliases, uh, Wolfgang uh, Schmidt. So, <laughs> Wolfgang <laughs> Schmidt. Wolfie. Little Wolfie. He little Smoky Man. Little Smoky Man with the Wolfgang. Wolfgang Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> the blood shack one. All right. So it's been great talking to you guys this morning. I'm going to go upstairs now and have a cup of coffee. And uh, yeah, so until next week, well, the only last thing to say is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. Adios. Give me your bunny, baby. <laughs> yeah. What is this? That is the worst Kirk Douglas I ever ever done. It's better than my uh, whatever it was earlier. It sounded like Iron Sheet. That oh. was Amy Irving in the toilet hole. Number one. That was uh, number one. Number one in the toilet hole. All right. <laughs> Adios, everybody. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman midnightcinema at gmail.com
Thank you.